Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the place where Black is the main character, where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop and BMF. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Successful. Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long term booking. Thank you so very much for joining me right here on Off The Script. This is episode 437 for your July 24th, 2022. I am your host, JD, from New York. As always, coming to you live from the OTS Beer Garden. Thank you guys so very much for joining me on your Sunday evenings, wherever you may be, man. What a week. What a week, man. I'm feeling good. We got VIP only tonight. The start of VIP only Sundays, man. We already got... I think we're up to like 17 members already tonight, man. That is crazy. I love you guys so much, man. You guys are fucking awesome. I want to shout out first before I even get into anything. We got Ben's Xbox Fortress. We got Kevin Carter, Ignacio, JC720, Trevor P, Max Chains, Huda Ops, Nobody Greater, Casket Mob, Kyle Owens, RJ Cluding, The One Called Sash, AW Mark, Fred Dude, and Ray Cooper. All the names that I just called out, you either resubscribed as a VIP or re-upped as a VIP or you're a new member, man. Thank you guys very much for all of your support. Off the script was off the chain this week, man. We had 9,000 live viewers between the emergency OTS on Friday with Vince McMahon retiring, the initial reaction, and SmackDown. 
that same night where Stephanie McMahon came out and addressed everything. Not really addressed everything, but kind of let a thank you, Vince Chance. Everything that we talked about on Friday, I'm going to double down on tonight, and I got a plethora of information, man. I got so much information for you guys, your head's going to explode. Plus, we're going to talk about Jonathan Gresham walking out on Tony Khan and Ring of Honor and the sore loser that he is. Not a good look, man. Not a good look. Really takes away from the moment that Claudio had last night at Death Before Dishonor. So, we're going to talk about all that, plus your Monday Night Raw, AEW Dynamite, and Friday Night SmackDown news and notes, man. All lumped into this great show tonight. And I thank you for being here on your Sunday night. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. TikTok, Cameo. Everything you need is linked down in the description below, so make sure you guys follow me all over social media. That is, if you have social media. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure you guys hit that thumbs up. I need a 1,000 likes, minimum. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 1,000 likes. And once we hit 1,000, and we will, the goal will be 1,500 likes, minimum. It's the least you guys can do, man. Helps me out, helps the channel out, helps the podcast out, you know it. Tonight's show is sponsored by Manscaped. We're going to be doing an unboxing on the show today, man. They sent me a nice, beautiful care package, and I want you guys to understand that Manscaped is the way to go if you guys want to look your best, feel your best, and smell your best this summer. Manscaped.com, you guys are going to use the new code JERRYDE to save 20% off, and we're going to go over uh, my great friends over at Manscaped and the beautiful care package that they sent me right here on OTS, and make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel. Plenty of it, man. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Let's get into the news, man. I am going to start off hot. I'm going to start off hot, and we're going to talk about the beginnings of Friday. We're going to talk about what happened earlier in the day on Friday leading up to the greatest moment in WWE history, Vince McMahon retiring, retiring from World Wrestling Entertainment. Effective immediately, it was announced on Friday morning, and this is great news. This is absolutely fantastic news. I was over the moon about this news. Triple H is back as head of talent relations for World Wrestling Entertainment. Paul Levesque is back. Announced on Friday, Paul Levesque will resume his executive position as head of talent relations in World Wrestling Entertainment. He says, I look forward to returning to my prior position as head of talent relations. I'm healthy, I'm fired up, and ready to take charge, said Paul Levesque. Triple H has returned to WWE as EVP of talent relations has led to a major backstage shakeup in WWE, most notably seemingly confirming that John Laurinaitis is gone. He's fired. You guys know this already. I don't need to repeat myself. John Laurinaitis is fired. Now, Bruce Pritchard was named interim EVP of talent relations. The roster 
does not like John Laurinaitis. Some roster reached out to Fightful and claimed that Laurinaitis was a snake. Bruce Pritchard, him wearing all these hats, didn't really sit well with the roster and the locker room either. Bruce had the aura about him backstage from what I have continually read. He is not Triple H. Triple H used to give you his shoulder to lean on. You have a complaint, you go to Triple H, that's why they call him Papa H. You have a complaint about anything, Triple H has an open-door policy. You come talk to me, says Triple H. Bruce Prichard never made himself available for the talent because Bruce Prichard doesn't give a fuck about the talent. And Vince McMahon, forget about it. Forget about it, man. It's like finding a needle in a haystack trying to find Vince McMahon during the day of the show. He doesn't give a shit about anybody but himself. Batman. He's hanging around in the fucking rafters of Gotham City. That's where Vince McMahon is found on a scheduled day of show. He don't want to talk to nobody. He doesn't want to listen to your complaints. You do what he says. It's his way or no way. So this is what Triple H and him getting this position back means to everybody. Now Triple H is going to be readily present backstage during a SmackDown or during a Raw. He is now head of talent relations. They eradicated Triple H and all of what he brought to the table when they wiped NXT clean and they were erasing his legacy, which they did. Vince and Bruce and Nick Khan and John Laurinaitis, they all did it, and they successfully did it. And now the power is changing. So Triple H has to rebuild that legacy all over again. It's almost as if he's walking into the company on day one as a noob. So this is a great move. Triple H and his return marks the end of Bruce Prichard's interim run as EVP of talent relations, but he is not done with WWE. Unfortunately, Bruce Prichard, we'll get into him in just a second. Now, Triple H taking this position back means a whole hell of a lot. But Bruce, now that he is removed from the EVP role of talent relations, now he only has one role. He can't suck Vince's dick anymore. He can't be so lodged up Vince's asshole that he doesn't know what fucking day it is. Now he is all by his lonesome, Bruce Pritchard. Oh, poor Bruce. Nobody feels bad for Bruce Pritchard, man. According to Fightful Select, and this is where it really gets sticky. This is where it really gets sticky. Bruce Pritchard will resume his job in the company's creative. Bruce Pritchard right now is head of WWE Creative. He is still the executive director of Monday night and Friday night. Following WWE's announcement that Triple H will resume his position of EVP of talent relations, Fightful Select is reporting that Bruce Pritchard right now is back in creative. Now, this is a problem. This is a problem. Vince is already gone, man. The, tr- the, 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 the tri-headed snake, right? The three-headed snake in WWE is still slithering about. Now, John Laurinaitis, he was, I guess, he was the, uh, the tail end of the fucking tri-headed snake. We got Vince. We got the major head of the snake. Cut off. Done. Finished. Goodbye. Good riddance. Bruce Prichard and Kevin Dunn are still there. So this snake is without its main set of eyes. Now, without its main set of eyes, it really doesn't know where it's going. Vince McMahon was the one leading this fucking army of clowns in WWE. Without them, they're no use. 
without Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn can't go out there and claim that Becky Lynch is unattractive. And because he thinks that she's unattractive, she doesn't deserve a Raw Women's Championship. Oh, we'll get into that. We'll get into that tonight. And Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard is absolutely a fucking poison to the company. This is why I say when Bruce is gone, then we can celebrate. When Bruce is gone, then we party. And we party till the fucking break of dawn, bro. I'm bringing the beverages. Don't worry. There'll be fucking streamers and balloons and champagne and hookers and all that shit. I'm going fucking, I'm going, I'm going knee deep in all of it, man. I'll bring it all. Bruce Pritchard being there, it doesn't really sit well with anybody, especially me. I've built this podcast on the fact that Vince needs to go. Bruce needs to go. One of them, the main source of the poison, is gone. But with Bruce Pritchard there, nothing, absolutely nothing will change. With Bruce Pritchard there, it's almost as if Vince McMahon did not retire. You see why Bruce is such a poison to the company. These people, these generals of Vince McMahon, they feel that they owe Vince McMahon their life. They feel like they owe Vince McMahon their fucking soul. And if Vince is not there, what do you think is going to happen? These people are going to look at a WWE without Vince McMahon, and the first thing that they're going to want to do is they're going to want to keep his vision alive. Vince McMahon's vision is going to live on through Kevin Dunn and Bruce Prichard, and until both of them are gone, then we will never have change. As long as Bruce is there, he will continue to write the show as terrible as it is every week. He will continue to write the show in the same manner that Vince McMahon would write the show because he is such a fucking general of Vince McMahon. He's such a fucking huge cocksucker, corporate cocksucker, is Bruce Bridger. He will not change anything about how the show is being operated because it's not Vince McMahon's vision. He will carry out Vince McMahon's vision until he stops breathing. That cannot happen. He needs to go. Kevin Dunn needs to go. Bruce Pritchard needs to go. As, as soon as those men are gone, then, then we celebrate. Because then real change will inevitably happen. Now, I don't think Bruce is going to last this year. I think Bruce is gone by the end of the year. Some people that I talk to give Bruce weeks. I'm surprised Kevin Dunn is still there as of this weekend. But Bruce is inevitably going to be gone. Bruce will be replaced. Bruce Pritchard is not a Stephanie McMahon guy. Bruce Pritchard is not a Triple H guy. Kevin Dunn is not either one of a Stephanie or a Triple H guy either. Kevin Dunn's finished. He's gone. But as long as Bruce Pritchard is still there, nothing will change. Now, John Laurinaitis, John Laurinaitis was unpopular within the locker room, and that was very well documented with that reportedly being concerned following his hiring in early 2021, some people, top talent, called Laurinaitis a snake, and the women's locker room did not want Laurinaitis there. There were some concerns among talent regarding having someone work both of those spots uh, with Bruce, him working talent relations, and then him working as the head of creative. They didn't want him there in either of those spots. Fightful haven't heard that things went any uh, anything other than smoothly in, in regard to 
John Laurinaitis getting out and Bruce coming in where he sits right now as head of creative and now Triple H is back as the EVP of WWE. Triple H, Stephanie, and Nick Khan were at SmackDown on Friday in Boston. Stephanie will serve as the CEO with Nick Khan. They are co-CEOs of WWE. And Vince McMahon following his retirement with this quote, and I quote, As I approach 77 years old, I feel it's time for me to retire as chairman of WWE. Throughout the years, it's been a privilege to help WWE bring you joy, inspire you, thrill you, surprise you, and always entertain you. I would like to thank my family for mightily contributing to our success. And I would also like to thank all of our past and present superstars and employees for their dedication and passion for our brand. Most importantly, I would like to thank our fans for allowing us into your homes every week and being your choice of entertainment. I hold the deepest appreciation and admiration for our generations of fans all over the world who have liked, currently like, and sometimes even love our form of sports entertainment. Our global audience can take comfort in knowing WWE will continue to entertain you in the same way, dedication, and passion as always. I'm extremely confident in the continued success of WWE, and I leave our company in the capable hands of an extraordinary group of superstars, employees, Executives in particular, both chairwoman and co-CEO Stephanie McMahon and co-CEO Nick Khan. As the majority shareholder, that's a key aspect right there, as the majority shareholder, I will continue to support WWE in any way that I can. My personal thanks to our community and business partners, shareholders, and board of directors for their guidance and support throughout the years, then, now, forever, together. Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are now both running the show. If you came to me and told me that you are worried about Vince McMahon, J.D., did he really retire? Some people to this hour still can't believe he's gone. So if you came and told me, J.D., I don't really believe this. I don't really believe he's gone. I don't, I don't really believe he's retired. I would probably look at you and say, you have every right to feel that way. I don't blame you for feeling that way. This is WWE at the end of the day. This is Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon has had a stranglehold on this product for as long as we've all been alive. But I'm looking at this, and I'm reading this, and I'm letting it sit with me over the weekend, and I realize in this this letter, in this statement to WWE and the fans, as the majority shareholder, that really sticks out, doesn't it? As the majority shareholder... Vince McMahon may have retired. Vince McMahon may disappear. Vince McMahon may not be present backstage anymore. Running creative, right? He may not be backstage to unleash his poison upon the roster. But as majority shareholder, that sticks out to me. Vince McMahon still owns 80% of the controlling stock in the company. Vince McMahon can do whatever the fuck he wants. Vince McMahon still owns the company. So Vince McMahon... Owning the majority of the shares, controlling shares, if you came to me and told me, J.D., I don't really believe he's gone. I wouldn't argue with you over that. And even me, it sat with me, and I was in doubt. Is this all a fucking ploy? Is this all an act? Is he stepping away because of the publicity that his investigation is bringing upon the WWE? 
He's embarrassing the WWE. This was a tactic to get him out of the public spotlight because with him there while the investigation's going on, it's going to be bringing a bad light to the company. It's going to be embarrassing the company. Nobody wants that. So if he goes out there and retires and steps away, great. He's not there. The public doesn't know any better. The casual fan doesn't know any better. But he's owning right now. He's in charge of 80% plus of the controlling shares in the company. So what does that mean? Is it possible that Vince McMahon stepped away as the way that he did? Uh, he retired. He, in the way that he did, he stepped away. But is he still running the show from the shadows? Is he still running everything in WWE without being a public figure anymore? And Stephanie McMahon is getting word from Vince to give to Bruce and to give to Dunn and to give to everybody and all of his generals in WWE. Is Vince McMahon, with 80% of the controlling stock in the company, still running WWE from fucking Stamford, Connecticut, in his penthouse? He'll be sitting in his underwear on a random Monday night, booking Monday Night Raw for all we fucking know. That's what I'm really concerned with. Has anybody given that any thought? I don't trust him being gone. Why would we? This guy's a power-hungry fucking prick. I don't truly believe he's completely gone. The only time he'll be gone is when he's dead. With this man still alive, I'm going to go back and tell you what I told you before. You think Bruce Pritchard and Kevin Dunn are going to now just take on a new vision for WWE? Their vision is Vince's vision. They're not going to do anything to stray from Vince's vision, especially if he owns 80% of the fucking company stock. That's a problem. That's a big fucking problem. Majority shareholder my ass. Then now forever together. So then the news started to unravel over the week and over the weekend. There was backstage news on why Vince McMahon is not expected to ever return to the WWE. This is coming from PW Torch and Wade Keller. Wade Keller stated that McMahon is really gone and he's not expected to come back. We don't know that. We don't know that at all. Who's to say that this investigation is wiped clean and Vince McMahon is found not guilty? And he's cleared of all the charges. You don't think Vince McMahon can come out of retirement? You don't think Vince would be the fucking first person to walk back into WWE and claim that WWE is back under his control? You don't think that is a possibility? I don't know why anybody would think otherwise. But Wade Keller seems to think that he's not expected to come back. He added that the feeling is that the move to make announce... Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan as CEOs is not a cover-up to set the table for a return for Vince McMahon. The move was made and announced as not a cover-up and to really let everybody know that Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan are both in there as co-CEOs. Wade Keller says this, and I quote, Vince, through outside forces, is feeling forced out. He didn't want to retire. He would have loved to have probably stuck around until Monday Night Raw emanating from Madison Square Garden. That shows the timing of this wasn't perfect for him to not even make it to Monday to have one less show in MSG. Vince McMahon is really gone, says Wade Keller. 
And everybody that I talk to, yes, there's conspiracy theorists out there. We just let you in on one of the conspiracies right here. It is not a conspiracy to think that. I don't want you guys to think you're weird or some sort of conspiracy theorist if you came up with the possibility that he owns 80% of the controlling stock in the company and somehow still ends up running the company. That's not a conspiracy. That's what Vince McMahon more than likely would do. So I don't think you are weird if you think that to me. If you come to me and you make that statement to me in discussion, I don't think that you're weird at all. People will go, well, you know, if the window opens, he'll return, says Wade Keller. As of now, the expectation on a corporate side and a wrestling level is that he's gone and not expected to return. Not expected doesn't mean it can't happen. Even Wade Keller's leaving it open. Not expected doesn't mean it can't happen. Nobody I talk to thinks this is a charade for PR reasons. Keller then went on and said that there is work being done to reshuffle things, but don't expect to see a lot of big things happening in the near future because the company wants to project stability to its shareholders. He says, and I quote, the reason is there just a complete approach right now of reshuffling. Like the idea is Nick Khan would not be a part of becoming a co-CEO as a cover-up story for Vince McMahon, who may be still running things. Of course not. Nick Khan was the one who actually devised this plan to get Vince McMahon out. Call me a conspiracy theorist all you want. I, I think Nick Khan is the one who blew the whistle. Somehow, some way, the Wall Street Journal got all of this dirt. Who was it? Somebody on the board of directors must have clued in the Wall Street Journal. I don't think it was Paul Levesque. I don't think it was his own daughter. I don't think it was Shane McMahon. I don't think it was anybody else. Kevin Dunn, obviously not. Nick Khan was brought in. And you've seen the ascent of Nick Khan over the years, man. The man has gained more and more and more power. Vince just let him have more power because Vince McMahon, all he cares about is making money. Vince McMahon doesn't give a shit about the wrestling business. He cares about making money. Vince McMahon doesn't care about the roster. Vince McMahon cares about making money. And Nick Khan was his direct source to making the company more money. So trust was developed there. Little did Vince McMahon know that Nick Khan was probably on the back end fucking him over. That's another conspiracy angle that people... A lot of people believe that Nick Khan is the whistleblower. He could be the rat. Who else could it be? The only other one, if there, if there was somebody in the family that blew the whistle, I would say Linda. Linda's not on the board of directors. Maybe Linda got so fucking fed up that she went to the Wall Street Journal herself and ousted Vince McMahon. You did what you did to me, I'm going to take everything that you fucking work for, bitch. Maybe Linda. Who the fuck knows? So, there is no cover-up story, according to Wade Keller. Keller also noted that Kevin Dunn is not a Triple H guy, but it's not expected that he will be removed right now, but he may not be there a year from now. Keller said, I am just told it seems unlikely that he'd be around a year from now. He certainly has made money to just retire. Kevin Dunn will probably be there a few more months, unfortunately for us. We got to deal with the, <laughs> uh, would you? and we got to deal with all the, um, 
fucking shaky camera angles and all this other bullshit, right? So I think Kevin Dunn will be there and will remain there for a little bit until he sells off all his shares and he makes that money that he's been pretty much guaranteed and then he'll go fucking, you know, uh, jet off into the woods somewhere and build himself a nice wood cabin and set himself a nice little fire and start munching on some fucking redwood and retire and disappear completely. So he's not going anywhere right now, but like I said, he's, a, he's not a Triple H guy, so he's inevitably going to be gone. They will be replacing Kevin Dunn. So Wade Keller goes on to say, the big story hovering over all of this isn't just the story of Vince McMahon. The story here, bigger in some people's eyes, is protecting the value of WWE in the eyes of the shareholders and in the eyes of a potential suitor to buy the company. Now, there are people out there that believe WWE will be sold around or after WrestleMania 40. That seems like a prime number. A nice round number to sell WWE. WrestleMania being in Los Angeles, sell the company. Whoever ends up buying it, whether it's Fox, whether it's NBCU, whether it's fucking Hulu or Netflix or fucking Disney, right? I don't know what it's going to look like when that day comes, but a lot of people believe that day is soon approaching. And that's Nick Khan's ultimate goal, to sell the company for whatever he believes the company is worth right now. And all the work that he put into the company to make it as attractive as possible, he wants his fucking cut. And he wants to eliminate the McMahons in the process. That's what's probably driving Vince, Vince McMahon's retirement somewhere in that. You know, 30 to 70% of the decision was protecting the value of the company. So the company has sold. Vince McMahon reaps maximum benefits. Vince McMahon looks like a loser right now because he retired. But when he didn't want to do uh, the, or he didn't want uh, the sexual scandals and all this shit happening, you know, he's going to end up getting a payoff after all of it's over. He wouldn't be retired today had Wall Street Journal not done their story. But Vince McMahon still can, in his mind, when WWE is sold, or if they're sold in nine months or four years, for a massive amount of money. And so Vince McMahon retiring is driven greatly by wanting to protect the value of WWE. And I honestly think that is a great outlook by Wade Keller. If Vince McMahon stayed on as WWE chairman of the board and he continued to operate the company, many people may be abandoning ship because the longer he stayed there, the bad name that WWE would develop would get worse and worse and worse and worse because you know that there's more stories and there are more stories coming about Vince McMahon. So the longer he stayed on, the less valuable WWE is. If WWE is in the hands of, of Nick Khan and Stephanie McMahon and run by Triple H and everything is just cleaned out backstage and, and, and everything is just new, then there's a new lease on life and you got a brand new WWE and if they can show stability with the stock and continue to run the company the way Vince McMahon ran the company on the back end, on the Wall Street side of things, and then we get what we have longed for all these years, it may actually prove to be more beneficial for WWE. I've always said, if WWE gets the right people in place and the product gets better on television, it's going to be better for everybody, including Wall Street. The ratings will be up. There'll be more interest in the product. It leads to just 
increases all over the board. Everybody would be a lot better off if the television product was better. That's what I don't get. And not a lot of people really dove into that aspect. I've always been under the impression, and I've always been under the belief that if the product got better on TV, everybody on Wall Street would be better off for it. You're looking good now, but if the product was better on TV, how much better off would you be on Wall Street? More money to be made. I never understood that. Now, with what Wade Keller said, Vince McMahon stepped away, and he wants to reap maximum benefits, right? When that day finally comes and WWE is sold. There was also a report. I don't know how true this is, and Wade Keller talked about this on PW Torch as well. There were some people that were concerned about Vince McMahon's health declining after stepping away from WWE. Now, I read that title, and I automatically thought of my grandfather. When my grandpa was forced to retire, my grandpa did not close. My grandpa owned a roofing company, Jericho Roofing in the Bronx. My grandpa owned the roofing company. It was, uh, it was in his life since a very young age. He had it for years. It was what his legacy was. Everybody knew him. He was forced to close the company down, or he was forced to retire. So my Uncle Jerry bought the company, and my grandpa didn't know what to do with himself. He did not want to retire. He was in his 80s. Everybody thought he should step away, you know, let let the younger crew come in and, and run the company, and my uncle run the company. My grandpa sat at home in his rocking chair and withered away and died in six years because that's all he knew. That's all he ever wanted to do. So retiring actually killed my grandfather. I do believe that my grandpa still ran the company and he would be running the company into his fucking 90s. He would. He would not have passed away. That's what people are worried about with Vince McMahon. Is Vince McMahon's going to, is Vince McMahon's health going to deteriorate after stepping away from WWE? I don't know. I don't know. But Wade Keller talked about this and he reports that friends and colleagues have no idea how Vince will handle no longer being in the company, running the company. Because he has no hobbies and no social life outside of visiting his grandkids. Vince is notorious for working a crazy amount of hours with very little sleep and getting his workouts in late at night. And he has been this way since at least the early 80s. Vince has been working in the business in some form since the early 70s before taking over for his father in 1982. PW Torch also adds that some people who knew Vince are worried for him and others are just curious to see how he adjusts to being off the road. Keller stated that one wrestler said, what the fuck will he even do with himself? I worry his health will go downhill because of this. It will be interesting to see what else comes out. More allegations surface because there are more mainstream media outlets working on stories about Vince McMahon that have yet to be revealed. On Friday, there was an allegation made about McMahon allegedly harassing Ashley Massaro, and we went over that on Friday's SmackDown post-show. This was all brought to light by Paul London, who used to date Ashley Massaro, and she died at the age of 40. WWE Raw will be at Madison Square Garden on Monday. That is Vince's favorite building, so it says a lot that he will not be there on Monday to at least announce his own retirement. And you know what that building means for WWE. So with Vince gone... Everybody is automatically claiming that there will be change. I've been very vehement about change is not happening right away. 
Let's not jump the gun and let's not get excited about what's happening right now with WWE. There are still poisonous aspects to the company that we need to remove before we can really get to work. Half of the job is done. Vince McMahon's gone. Now Bruce and Kevin Dunn remain. Ed Kosky still remains. John Laurinaitis is gone. But there is still some poisonous aspects to the company. Don't expect any changes to happen. Not on Monday, not at SummerSlam, not going into Clash at the Castle, not going into Survivor Series. Nowhere this year where anything happens on WWE television, on Raw and SmackDown, you will not see any change whatsoever. It will be predominantly the same fucking show. We'll be here every fucking week complaining about the same fucking shit because Bruce Prichard is writing the show. So don't expect WWE to make any big changes right now following Vince McMahon's retirement. This is coming from Fightful. Fightful is reporting that as of right now, Bruce Prichard is a lead creative writer, with Ed Kosky also being a point of leadership. Triple H helping direct traffic, which was the case at SmackDown on Friday. WWE producers were told that Pritchard was taking over many of Vince's television roles for the time being with nothing being permanent for Bruce. So that is a little caveat there that gives us some glimmer of hope. Nothing is permanent with Bruce Pritchard. Talent that Fightful heard from were trying to find out who was going to end up leading creative permanently with one noting that most of the talent has a good relationship with Triple H, Nick Khan, and Stephanie McMahon, and we're looking at what creative obstacles they'd need to overcome. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So that is another key aspect that gives us a glimmer of hope. Most, And this is something that we knew already, just going back to Triple H's days in NXT Black and Gold. Most of the talent has a very good relationship with Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon is beloved by the locker room. As far as changes and expected changes, nearly every talent that Fightful spoke to said that they will see change Um, when, obviously, certain aspects backstage continue to change. And it will all be determined by who is in control, with numerous pointing out that if Bruce Pritchard ends up taking over permanently, it's not like much will change in that regard. But if someone else is put in charge and Bruce is removed, the likelihood of forward progression gets much higher. One source within creative stated that they'd expect there to be less rematches as they believe that Vince would like a matchup 
think it made sense, and then later forget that they've done it so many times. There were also some within the circle that claimed McMahon had issues remembering talent names, often backstage. There were also plenty of people that believed the impending leadership may not want to deviate, and this is what I talked about. I don't need Fightful for this. I've been saying this, this, this has been my fucking MO. This has been the, the, the fucking hill that I stamp my fucking flag on. That's the fucking cop that I take off every fucking week. And I plant that shit in the ground, man. That's the fucking shit I die on. The hill I die on. With Bruce there, nothing's going to change. You know this. I know this. Everybody knows this. Fightful said that no matter what, there are plenty of people there that believe the impending leadership may not want to deviate away from Vince's vision out of respect. But they think there are small improvements that could be made that will make a big difference. I don't give about I don't give a shit about small improvements. Bruce Pritchard needs to go. Bruce Pritchard needs to be fired. I don't care how we get it done. Bruce Pritchard needs to be fired. That is going to be the forward march. That is going to be our movement. You know it, I know it, we all know it. Bruce got to go. Fans and talent are optimistic, though, about the WWE booking now that Vince McMahon has retired from the company. I don't know. I wouldn't be so sure about that. I wouldn't be so sure about that. Is Bruce going to write the show with the rest of the, the, the creative writers? And is Triple H going to look it over? Because it said Triple H is directing traffic. The fuck does that mean? The one thing, and everybody's like, well, why don't you show respect to Vince McMahon? Without Vince McMahon, none of this would exist. I don't give a fuck. I said this, I said this on Friday. I'm not here to talk about what Vince McMahon did and the accolades of Vince McMahon and how influential he is and this and that. Vince McMahon hated professional wrestling. I don't give a fuck about Vince McMahon. This is the greatest day in the history of the company because now we could see potential growth and the growth that is there, the hopeful growth that is there is tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. And I said this with multiple different aspects. One of them, how many writers does WWE employ? Got to be about 80 writers, right? How many fucking writers they got? They got enough to fucking claim that they have a small army with how many fucking writers they got backstage. 80 writers, 40 writers, how many fucking writers they got? How many of those writers sit in that fucking boardroom every single week and work on these shows days in advance, come up with ideas? Nobody knows what the fuck is being written in that room. Come up with ideas. They present it to Vince. They present it to Bruce. And none of those ideas ever make it past Bruce Pritchard. None of those ideas ever get to Vince McMahon's eyes and ears. How many times has that happened? One of the things that we could potentially be looking at, Bruce is not going to write this show by himself, right? He's going to need help. Bruce, at the end of the day, man, this is going to crush him. That's the one thing that I'm still hopeful about. With him leading creative, sure, it sucks that he's there, but he is going to get crushed by the workload. He's not writing five hours of television by himself. He's going to need to lean on the rest of the writing team, which means those writers may actually have voices at the end of all of this. Every single one of those writers were writing for Vince McMahon. What would Vince McMahon get a kick out of? 
What would Vince McMahon find funny? What would Vince McMahon get a laugh out of? Huh? How many times was that the case? Oh, would Vince McMahon like this one to be pushed? Oh, Vince doesn't want that one pushed, so we won't do that. Instead of coming up with a fucking idea to get somebody new on television and something really cool. How many of those writers will now have an opportunity to get their voices and their work seen and heard? You're not writing for one man anymore. Not what Stephanie McMahon and Nick Conant charge. The fuck you paying these people for? Vince was paying them to control them, to brainwash them. These men and women would write the show and then it would end up being ripped up. What the fuck are you going to work for? The fuck are you going to work for? That's as good as Vince McMahon taking a fucking dump right on your dinner plate and saying, bon, uh, bon appetit, motherfucker. It's ridiculous. That's one aspect. That's great. We don't know what the fuck is being born in that boardroom. There could be fucking gold being thrown about in that fucking boardroom. We don't, we don't know. We don't know. And like I said, this opens up a new a new forbidden door for WWE, with Triple H now as head of talent relations again and the relationship that he has with the current roster and everybody that Vince McMahon fucking fired, right? This opens up the potential for returning superstars to come back. I mentioned Killer Cross as being one of them. He was the prime example that I used on Friday. Imagine WWE calling Killer Cross up or Triple H calling Killer Cross up. Hey, we want to call you... Uh, we want to call you back to Monday Night Raw. We want to bring you in. We want to sign you back. We'll make you the biggest heel on the roster. We'll make you the number one heel on Monday Night Raw. I'm in charge now. Bruce Pritchard is a non-entity. Vince is not there no more. He's got nobody to really uh, go and, uh, and, and ruin anything with. Bruce Pritchard is his own man. He's, got, he's now got to answer to us. He's not answering to Vince McMahon anymore. What about Johnny Gargano? Or any other AEW superstar that may have jumped ship early seeing this news and now maybe thinking, well, when I'm done here, maybe I'll go give WWE another shot. MJF is another one who was being talked about. What if MJF ends up going to WWE now with it being a bigger possibility because Vince McMahon's not there anymore? You think Triple H is going to let MJF just float about and sign an AEW contract? If there's anybody on that roster that knows MJF and what MJF is capable of and will allow MJF to do on WWE television, it's Triple H. Can you imagine? Now, I wouldn't give fucking MJF a shot in the dark with Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard running the show. They'd, ca- they'd castrate him and make him Miz 2.0. We know that. But with Triple H in charge, that's not going to happen. And the kicker is, what about Sasha Banks and Naomi? I was the leader of telling everybody, well, Sasha Banks is done with WWE. She ain't going to go back to work for Vince. They don't give a fuck about the women's division. Bruce Pritchard hates women's wrestling. Now, suddenly the story has taken a turn. Sasha Banks, I'm more on Sasha Banks going back to WWE. I think it's a huge possibility. Sasha ends up back in WWE. See, Stephanie McMahon is the CEO. Vince is gone. Triple H is now backstage as head of talent relations every fucking week. Sasha Banks goes back there, and she gets preferential treatment. A bigger payday. She becomes the fucking leader of that women's division like she should have been from day one. And she gets a massive fucking push. You don't think Stephanie McMahon would welcome Sasha Banks and Naomi back to WWE? Give me a break. If anything, this now has deterred them away from Tony Khan and AEW. No way they go there now 
being that Vince McMahon has retired. There's a lot of possibilities. A lot of possibilities. But the main thing that we need to focus on now is Bruce Pritchard. Because with him there, they're only going to write out of respect for Vince McMahon because he's not there. Oh, we can't do anything different. This is not Vince McMahon's vision. Meanwhile, that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what we need. There were small changes to Friday's SmackDown episode. The commentators were not under the usual restrictions, and talent sounded more natural when doing scripted promos. I don't know if I caught all that. It reminded me of the same shit that uh, we saw when Vince was actually there. Also, Xavier Woods mentioned New Japan Pro Wrestling and Ring of Honor while on commentary during the match between the Viking Raiders and Jinder Mahal with Shanky. I don't know if you guys picked up on that at all. During Wrestling Observer Radio this weekend, Dave Meltzer talked about WWE not making big changes after McMahon's retirement because WWE wants to show investors that the company is stable. I don't know what the TV product has to do with the fucking shareholders. The product can't get any worse. So let them fix the on-air product. What difference does that make with anything regarding the shareholders? It has nothing to do with the company being stable. If anything, it's going to make the fucking TV product better and the company be better. One of the things I've heard is not to expect any changes. This is coming from Melton, on top of what PW Torch and Wade Keller said. One of the things I've heard is not to expect any changes because right now they want to show Wall Street and the stockholders that everything is stable and fine. They don't want big changes. In fact, there was a huge panic when Brock Lesnar walked out on Friday night. Meltzer later added, it was said the worst thing possible would be, it looks like Vince left and now it's just anarchy. They want everything to look as stable as possible to make it look like a smooth transition and that the company is in good hands and doesn't fall apart without Vince McMahon. If that is what we need to do, if that is what they are asking of us as a fan base, just be patient. I'm kind of reading that and listening to this as just be patient. We're going to do what we need to do. Bruce is going to get canned. Kevin Dunn is going to get canned. We can't fire everybody at the same time because it's going to create a unstable environment. I get it. I get it. If that is what we need to do, then we're going to be patient. If they fire everybody at the same time, then it may send shockwaves through the shareholders and the board of directors all right, well, Vince is gone. Now it's all gone to shit. We don't want that. We want them to feel, oh, well, with Vince gone, things are running just as normal. And then you make the appropriate changes six months from now, 12 months from now. But as long as we see those little subtle changes that, that, that we talked about earlier, these subtle improvements to the show, I'll, I'll be fine with that. And then when we need to strike, then we get rid of Bruce and we get rid of Ed Kosky and we get rid of Kevin Dunn. Great. I can wait. I'm a patient guy. We waited how many fucking years for this day and Vince retiring? We can wait another 6 to 12 months for Bruce and Kevin Dunn and Ed Kosky and all the rest of that poison to get fired. Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn and his fucking uh, two front teeth were in the news. And his days in WWE may be coming to an end. Wade Keller also touched upon... Kevin Dunn, he has a report up backstage and the reaction to Vince's exit. 
and what it could mean for the company. Keller stated that there are people in the company wondering who will be brought back. Triple H has been seen as more of a forgiving person than Vince over the years. In fact, he was the driving force to bring names like Bruno Sammartino and the Ultimate Warrior back to the WWE to induct them in the Hall of Fame. Triple H sat down with them. All the nasty things that Scott Steiner said about Stephanie and Triple H, Scott Steiner was present at the Hall of Fame with the Steiner brothers going in. This is the power of Triple H. Also, a lot of the wrestlers that were let go over the last few years were people that Triple H hired, so you would think that he would want some of those names back if they were to become available. Keller also said that people in the company are wondering if some released writers will return. Bruce Prichard, as you guys know, and as we talked about, is head of creative and lead director of Raw and SmackDown for the foreseeable future, and he was in Gorilla on SmackDown with Stephanie overseeing him. Pritchard is overseeing the top writers for TV. Ed Kosky, Ryan Callahan. Ed Kosky works for Raw. Ryan Callahan on SmackDown. Kosky and Callahan are likely to be secure under Stephanie. That is not good. I think whoever is there right now, they need to get the fuck out. Because they have Vince McMahon's best interest in heart, and it will be the same thing even after he has retired. Ed Kosky and Ryan Callahan, they are some of the poison that's still floating around backstage. Kevin Dunn is said to be expected to remain in his position for a while, but he has never been a Triple H guy, and he's not close with Stephanie, so it seems unlikely he'll be around a year from now. Dunn and Vince have been very close since the 80s and it was always believed that his job was safe as long as Vince was in power. Keller added that when Triple H was running NXT... There was a prevailing theory that he was setting up successors, including a replacement for Kevin Dunn. The behind-the-scenes changes in WWE are expected to be gradual changes. Like I said, we have to be patient. We have to be patient. I will wait as long as it takes for these people to be removed. We've, did it, we've done it with Vince, and we did it with Vince, and that day came, and how glorious it was. When that day comes, when Bruce is gone and Kevin Dunn is gone, it will be party time, believe me. Well, the three musketeers of Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, and Nick Khan will indeed bring major change to the company. Don't expect any change to happen overnight, and I've been very steadfast in this. Been very adamant about this. Wade Keller also talks that those backstage expect that big changes will be made. They will gradually be implemented. As a way for the company to showcase stability to shareholders, stockholders, sponsors, and partners. Even Wade Keller talked about and confirmed what Dave Meltzer had heard from his sources in regards to the same thing. Vince McMahon won't have a say in the direction of the company. His opinion will still likely be considered due to him being the majority shareholder of the company, which again, I find to be a little little off-putting. I don't really trust that at all. There was a hashtag going around, hashtag Fire Kevin Dunn, that trended in 2016 after WWE's Executive Vice President of Television Production, Kevin Dunn, didn't like then-SmackDown Women's Champion, Becky Lynch. I talked about this on Friday on my SmackDown post show. I mentioned, I, I read this, and it never left me, man. Six years. This has been around for six years, and I always think back when I mentioned Kevin Dunn, This man's mentality. 
There was a report in 2016. This was when Becky was on SmackDown, the glory days of SmackDown. I love that era of SmackDown. I thought that was a great era. Becky Lynch was on SmackDown, and she was in a feud, I believe, with Alexa Bliss at that time. She was going for the SmackDown Women's Championship. There was a report that Kevin Dunn, he went to Vince McMahon and told Vince McMahon, and this man's power is very, very in high regard in the company. If Kevin Dunn did not like you, you're buried. You're finished. John Moxley wrote about it in his book. Apparently, he said something to the extent of, uh, of cursing on television. Kevin Dunn wanted an apology. Kevin Dunn said you cursed on television or whatever the case may be. Moxley went to go apologize to Kevin Dunn, and Kevin Dunn said, yeah, no, thank you very much. I appreciate you apologizing. Kevin Dunn then went to Vince McMahon and told Vince McMahon that John Moxley did not give him a proper apology. His apology was shit. And then John Moxley, coincidentally, he, was, uh, he lost the world championship at that time. He got buried. John Moxley wrote about it in his book. He said, it's, it's a weird coincidence that, you know, I had lost my world title after all of this situation with Kevin Dunn, and I find it to be the reason why I was probably given uh, a shittier role on television. That's the power, and that's the influence of Kevin Dunn. Fuck Kevin Dunn. That's what he said in his book. Becky Lynch. We all know that her promos are terrible. We make fun of it all the time. But Becky Lynch, you know, her, her accent was a little, a little deeper than in 2016. Kevin Dunn apparently was not a fan of Becky Lynch's accent. So he told Vince McMahon that he wasn't a fan of Becky Lynch's accent, and she kept a very mid-level role on television. She never really ascended to the heights that we wanted babyface Becky Lynch to really go out there and achieve. And that was because of Kevin Dunn. So there was a fire Kevin Dunn hashtag that trended in 2016. Fans were calling for him to be fired at the time because they were concerned her push would be derailed due to Kevin Dunn's influence with Vince McMahon. At the time, Lynch came up with a reply to Kevin Dunn on her Twitter account by writing, and she said something along the lines of uh, her accent. And she had to reiterate what she said in her promo because of her accent. So there was another report saying that Kevin Dunn would not want Becky Lynch as the SmackDown Women's Champion because she wasn't good-looking enough. She wasn't attractive enough to hold the title, said Kevin Dunn in 2016. Imagine. Now, I'm not a fan of Becky Lynch. I was a fan of Becky Lynch back in 2016. But imagine thinking Becky Lynch 2016 wasn't attractive. Imagine Kevin Dunn giving you his taste in women. And Becky Lynch didn't fit his criteria. Oh, Kevin Dunn doesn't find you attractive. We can't give you the SmackDown Women's Championship. I didn't know that was a criteria for a wrestler to go out there and win championships. Oh, you're not attractive enough. You're not going to be given the SmackDown Women's Champion. Imagine that being a criteria for a women's professional wrestler in this generation. Yet Kevin Dunn still has a job. Vince McMahon obviously wasn't going to say anything because that's exactly the type of person he wants on his, on his team. Somebody to go out there and tell him this type of shit. And Vince McMahon did nothing about it. 
Get Vince McMahon. We need to celebrate Vince McMahon. We need to talk about Vince McMahon's achievements. We need to thank you, Vince. Fuck Vince McMahon. And fuck him, Kevin Dunn. This isn't the first time that Dunn has spoken disparagingly about the looks of a female in the WWE. As former WWE head writer Alex Greenfield previously recalled, a discussion about Kelly Kelly between Michael Hayes, McMahon, and Dunn. Dunn was negative about the prospects of former WWE star Billy Kay as well. They're not up to Kevin Dunn's standards. Unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Yet this man still is backstage in power in WWE. Get him out. Drain the swamp. I will not be satisfied until that man and Bruce Pritchard are gone. Paul Heyman. If Bruce Pritchard is replaced, a lot of people are claiming that Paul Heyman should take the position of lead writer in WWE, head of creative, Paul Heyman. There's backstage news on where things stand with Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon. Wade Keller talked about this on PW Torch. There's been a lot of speculation about Paul Heyman's future because there were stories from over a decade ago about Stephanie and Paul Heyman butting heads when he was there in the mid-2000s. Keller noted in his update that these days, they do genuinely get along. He said the following about Heyman, and I quote, he ran ECW, he revolutionized the wrestling industry. Without him, there is no Attitude Era. And then he has worked with WWE and he butted heads with Stephanie McMahon. As I've talked about in recent months, it seems like to people that have seen them, that Heyman and Stephanie Stephanie get along great. You know, like genuinely, there's a chemistry and a dynamic between them that's very positive. And that's a very different feeling than, you know, 15, 20 years ago. So Heyman is someone to watch. He's really, really smart. And he is a pro wrestling guy. Now, I've said it on Friday multiple times that my vote goes to Triple H. My vote goes to Triple H because everything that Triple H did in the era of NXT, black and gold, was absolutely perfect. From the visual presentation to the in-ring product to the quality over quantity aspect to the fact that he gave TV time and spread out TV time equally amongst everybody. Promos were not overly written. They were given to people via bullet points. The commentary team was genuine and organic. Everything about NXT Black and Gold was perfect, and the way WWE main roster should have been, nobody will convince me otherwise. That was Triple H and the team he assembled. So I said it a couple of times on Friday, Triple H gets my vote. But if Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman gets in there, and he does end up replacing Bruce Prichard, I'm not going to complain about that at all. Paul Heyman was the executive director of Monday Night Raw during the pandemic. When they moved into the WWE Performance Center, he was obviously overseen by Vince McMahon. But Vince McMahon always surrounds himself with fall guys. Paul Heyman was a fall guy. Eric Bischoff was a fall guy. Mark Carano was a fall guy. John Laurinaitis is a fall guy. Michael Hayes is a fall guy. Everybody's a fall guy. Vince McMahon surrounds himself with glorified fucking yes men and fall guys. They're all fall guys. I'm not talking about the fucking free PlayStation game on the PlayStation store that everybody's raving over. 
Fall Guys. That's exactly what he surrounds himself with. Mark Carano got fired for sending Mickey James her gear in a trash bag. Who do you think approved that? Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard approved that. John Laurinaitis. He was obviously fired for what happened with the allegations. He wasn't going to remain there. Goodbye. They let him go first. They used him as a fucking scapegoat. Bruce Pritchard. He filled in for Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff, as soon as the ratings were going down the toilet on Friday nights on Fox, they needed somebody to blame. They weren't going to blame Vince McMahon for the stagnating ratings. Eric Bischoff, goodbye. It's his fault. Bischoff didn't even have a half a scone backstage in WWE running SmackDown. He didn't do anything. I don't think Bischoff had any influence over fucking SmackDown. He was brought in, and the next fucking week he was fired. Paul Heyman ran Monday Night Raw during the pandemic. Paul Heyman wanted to bring, and they made fun of him. I remember they made fun of him because, like the SmackDown 6, remember the SmackDown 6 that Paul Heyman was in charge of when he was running SmackDown? They took that away from him because he was outshining everybody else on Monday night. He was outshining Monday Night Raw, and at that time, Monday Night Raw, no, no, no. Yeah, Monday Night Raw is the number one show in WWE. Paul Heyman, lowly Paul Heyman, coming up with fucking great SmackDown episodes during that era. You can't be doing that. You're outclassing us. I can't have that. He ran the SmackDown 6 over there. He wanted to do this generation of the SmackDown 6. Austin Theory, Malachi Black, or Aleister Black, Andrade, Buddy Matthews, right? And whoever else he had chosen for that. He wanted a core six that he wanted to build. Young talent. He wanted to build Monday Night Raw around. Vince wouldn't let him do it because Vince didn't like Buddy Matthews because he was too small. Vince didn't like Andrade because he couldn't speak English. Vince didn't want Aleister Black because of whatever fucking reason. His loss. Vince didn't want Austin Theory then because he didn't really know what Austin Theory was capable of or who Austin Theory was. He was just an NXT fucking rookie called up. He had high aspirations for Madcap Moss as well. Now we're seeing this thing with Madcap and Austin Theory play out. You got the future there in, in Austin Theory and Madcap, finally. Finally. But Paul Heyman wanted a Monday Night Raw sex. And we never really felt any of Paul Heyman's influence on Monday Night because that got wiped away after three months. Yeah, it was exciting at first. Oh, Ma, Paul Heyman's got all these plans. Yeah, yeah, Paul Heyman wants to push this guy and that guy and that girl. Great. Great. Give Paul Heyman the run and let him go with it. But Vince McMahon oversaw Paul Heyman. He obviously approved everything that Paul Heyman was, you know, coming up with. And Paul Heyman never really got his influence up off the ground to a point where we felt it watching it at home. Monday Night Raw remained largely the same. I never want to go back to the Thunderdome era, ever. But if Paul Heyman had a stake in the company and he ran Monday Night Raw, those shows might have been better given the circumstances. Vince McMahon never let him have it. I guarantee you, if you give Paul Heyman six to 12 months to run Monday Night or Friday Night, I guarantee you see change. I guarantee you, you see change. But he was fired because Vince ultimately could not give anybody any other creative control. He needed to have it all. So Paul Heyman was a fall guy. But if Paul Heyman is... In with Stephanie, and they all appreciate Paul Heyman. Triple H and Stephanie appreciate Paul Heyman and the work that he that he does. I don't know why you don't consider him for that role. Obviously, it, it would come with a larger payday, but, I mean, Paul Heyman, 
he he earns every fucking penny that he he earns with what he does right now with Roman Reigns and the role that he has on TV, the minimal role he has on TV. Give him more money. Give him freedom. You want to be sports entertainment? Fine. Paul Heyman grasps it all. Paul Heyman knows sports entertainment. He's been around it enough. It fucking killed his brand. Paul Heyman also knows professional wrestling. Paul Heyman also knows talent. Paul Heyman has his finger on the pulse. He knows what's going on in the industry better than anybody. Why wouldn't you give him more money to run your show? It's a fucking no-brainer. So, Heyman is in with Stephanie. Heyman is someone to watch. Not so much is known about Paul Heyman's relationship with Nick Khan. Keller says, I've often wondered if he and Nick Khan have gotten close. I don't know how Nick Khan would feel equipped to deal with Paul Heyman, given that he might hear about Paul Heyman over the decades, but Paul Heyman is not the same person he was 20 years ago. People say how him having kids really changed him and just growing up and maturing, and now he's the type who more scoffs at people who are like him. He scoffs at people who are like him at the age that they're at now, more than being like them, if that makes sense. So, you know, Paul is somebody to watch. He's so smart, and he's connected to big names. Brock Lesnar, Ronda Rousey, Roman Reigns. So depending on how things shake out, Triple H and Stephanie may be leaning on Paul. Now, I said I give my vote to Paul uh, to uh, Triple H, but Paul Heyman may be the better man for the job because if Triple H is head of talent relations, it may be too much for him to handle, given his health, to run creative and do talent relations. Not to say Triple H can't help out. I think this is a, a smart move. I think this is the safest move to make Paul Heyman head of creative. And he could be on their inner circle. And that would be quite powerful, a quite powerful trio of people who could take WWE to the levels that we have desired. Paul Heyman, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon running the show. Nick on the business side, Stephanie, Paul, and Paul. Triple H on the other end, on the creative end. That is a dangerous trio. If that is where we are leading, I'm saying this to you right now. Tony Khan is in trouble. This is all that we want. We want competition. Tony Khan will step up in the heat of competition. WWE right now, it's not competition to AEW because they're two different things. They're two different brands. One is pro wrestling and one is just fucking shit. But if Paul Heyman, Triple H, and Stephen McMahon do take control and the pieces do fall into the places that we need them, that sports entertainment is going to lessen. It's not going to go away. That's WWE's MO. They're not going to get rid of sports entertainment. But with Tony Khan's pro wrestling aspect, that is going to balance itself out a little bit. And who's to say? Who's to say what Paul Heyman, Triple H, and Stephanie McMahon are capable of? That's going to really push Tony Khan's buttons in. Telling you right now, that is a dangerous fucking team to really get involved with. And I trust them to do what is right, and I'm very much looking forward to that hopefully happening. Shane McMahon, a lot has been mentioned about Shane McMahon as well. He's not expected back in the WWE. Shane is not on good terms with Stephanie McMahon right now. This is also coming from Wade Keller. Keller said that while changes are expected... Fans will notice that Stephanie and Nick Khan's fingerprints will be all over these shows. Don't expect to see how the show 
uh, is, is right now to largely change. Vince is still the majority shareholder, and he's not someone you want to upset because he still owns some of the power. Keller reiterated that Stephanie does have her own ideas for the product, and fans will not see them right now, and they will not see Shane McMahon back in the company because he and Stephanie are not on the best of terms. Keller said, and I quote, I'm told Stephanie definitely has ideas. There is a job she has coveted since, or this is a job she has coveted since she was barely a teenager, maybe a preteen. I've told the story quite a bit over the years about Stephanie. And Jerry Jarrett told me the story on record that he was having dinner with the McMahons and either he or someone at the table said, Shane, you know, someday you're going to be running the company like your dad. And Stephanie was years younger than Shane, established her alpha attitude. She jumped in and said, "Uh uh-oh, daddy's little girl is going to be the one running the show someday, not Shane. So the rivalry between Shane and Stephanie has been there since youth. The divide between these two, I'm told, says Keller, is still there. And there is no reconciliation or power sibling team expected. So, you know, Jesse says, my partner on Wednesday, Jesse always says, man, Thanksgiving at that fucking house, man, Thanksgiving in the McMahon family this year over any other year previously is going to be one interesting fucking Thanksgiving dinner. I would pay, I would pay to be a fucking fly on that wall. Keller compared Shane to Stephanie, uh, Shane and Stephanie to succession. He said, it's like, you know, the siblings hang out, they yell, they battle, and they double cross each other but they hang out and they talk. And the impression I'm getting is that that's not happening with Shane and Stephanie. So, by the way, don't expect Shane to enter the picture here unless he just, you know, goes rogue and just shows up at a show. Shane has not been seen in WWE since he was sent home by Vince after the whole Royal Rumble debacle. That was back in January. I don't really think we need Shane. I don't think we need Shane McMahon at all, but... Stranger things have happened. If there's a role for him, I'm sure there will be a role for Shane McMahon, and he will be under a watchful eye if he does indeed, at any point, come back. Some AEW wrestlers are potentially looking at WWE as an option now when their contracts expire. Also, Sasha Banks and Naomi potentially are returning to the WWE. These are two stories that I made very well apparent on my show on Friday. Wade Keller. Wade Keller talked about a lot, man. So shout out to Wade Keller. He states that he communicated with some AEW wrestlers after the news broke about Vince retiring. Keller stated that he especially spoke with those who have deals expiring this year or are not happy with Tony Khan's booking and they see Vince's departure as a positive development. Keller added that wrestlers who didn't see WWE as an option because of Vince McMahon are now seeing things a lot differently. There are several people in AEW who were not seen as people that Vince would have hired, but that changes now with Stephanie and Triple H in power. Especially Triple H as head of talent relations. You know the type of guy he wants, and you know how ruthless Triple H is, man. Triple H absolutely gutted Ring of Honor. He gutted Ring of Honor. He went out and scoured the globe with a takeover, quote-unquote. No pun there. There's a reason why he named everything takeover. 
Triple H had a global takeover with WWE in mind. Performance centers all over the world, in China, in India, in the UK, in Mexico. This is exactly what Triple H wanted to do. Triple H is ruthless. When it comes to talent, you don't think Triple H is there to poach talent? I don't know who's free in AEW coming up. But I guarantee you, when the time comes and you see a Swerve and a Moxley and a Jericho and a Darby and a Jungle Boy and a Wardlow and a Jade Cargill and anybody Adam Cole, the Undisputed Era, all over again. When these contracts are up, Killer Cross is another one. He's not even signed to a major promotion. Now he's been working MLW. He's got the indies going on. You don't think Triple Keith Lee, you don't think Triple H is going to reach out to these people that, that were fired by WWE because of Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard, Andrade and Malachi, Buddy Matthews, and anybody else that was not with WWE but now have developed a name for themselves on AEW television. You don't think Triple H wants somebody like a Brody King or can't use a Brody King on his television show? Or anybody else that you may deem, you know, oh my God, I think they'd be well in WWE, MJF. Talent is going to move around. And Triple H will poach AEW. Tony Khan is going to have a very difficult time keeping people around, especially with the feeling now that he's got too much on his plate. And that's what it seems like with this whole Jonathan Gresham story coming out, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Tony Khan may be spreading himself thin, and for anybody that listened to my show, only a couple of months ago, this was well before Supercard of Honor, I made this very well known to everybody, Tony Khan may be spreading himself thin. If there is a TV show on the horizon for Ring of Honor, how different is it going to be between Ring of Honor and AEW. There needs to be a dedicated roster. There needs to be a dedicated staff. There needs to be a dedicated roster and a dedicated staff for AEW and Ring of Honor. But is Tony Khan spreading himself too thin? He's only got three hours of television. He's got AEW Dark on YouTube, but he's only got three hours of television where WWE has five and they tour on a weekly basis. 150 to 200 dates a year. Nobody wants to be sitting around. They want to go and wrestle. They want to go and make money. How much money can you make sitting on your ass? They want to go and make money. If WWE is going to offer them 10 times the amount that AEW is offering them, why wouldn't they entertain the offer, especially now that Vince is gone? And Bruce may be out the door, and Kevin Dunn may be out the door, and Triple H is head of talent relations, and Stephanie McMahon is beloved by everybody. This is a serious fucking thing. Keller added that there are wrestlers who see WWE as an option and see things differently in that Vince is gone. Now, there are a lot of names available in the free agent market that were let go by WWE that Triple H was very high on. So don't be surprised to see some of these people return when the time comes. And don't be surprised to see some AEW wrestlers jumping ship to WWE, especially those who want to wrestle more frequently. There you go. There you go. AEW's massive roster doesn't allow for most wrestlers to be featured every week. On Dynamite. One person to keep an eye on will be John Moxley. Whenever his deal expires, which I believe he just re-upped, I think he'll be there for another three years, John Moxley. Whenever his deal expires, it will be interesting to see if he returns to WWE and sees WWE as an option. Moxley's issues were with Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn. By the time Moxley's a free agent, Kevin Dunn might not be there, and Vince will be long gone. Vince McMahon had terrible storyline ideas 
for John Moxley's character. They had him come out as fucking Bane from The Dark Knight Rises. You all know what they did to John Moxley. He also had issues with Kevin Dunn, which I just previously mentioned. Vince is gone, and if Dunn is let go, it could be an open door for Moxley and others to return. And don't forget about the Cody Rhodes influence. Cody is all WWE now. Cody is great friends with MJF. Cody is great friends with Ricky Starks. That's going to be an influential thing to look out for as well. How much of that is Cody Rhodes getting in the ear of that talent to come on over? Hey, it's good over here now. I made sure of it. Come on over. More opportunity for you awaits over here. Keller also added that there is some curiosity about how Shane McMahon fits into everything. He did talk about this. And there are some wondering if he will try to insert himself into the situation now that Vince is gone. Stephanie and Shane are said to have a firm divide, and he reiterated that. And apparently, right now, uh, there may be attempts to interrupt the transfer of power. And if that happens, it won't be well-received by people in key positions in management. And Shane is said to not have any personal alliances left in WWE. The other thing... I mentioned this, and this is something that I'm really trying to nail home with a lot of people as well. We have Sasha Banks and Naomi potentially returning to the WWE as well. I've been leading the charge. Yeah, she's done. But this was under the old regime. This is under Vince McMahon's regime. Vince is gone now. Stephanie McMahon is in charge. And Triple H is now head of talent relations. Wade Keller reported that Stephanie is respected by the women. And while she received mixed reviews in the early 2000s, It is hard to find people who will say anything bad about her, and the feeling is that she has learned from her mistakes and has grown as a person over the last 20 years. Keller stated that there is optimism amongst the women that Stephanie will improve their TV time and presentation. Can't do that with Bruce running the show. Bruce hates women's wrestling. There is also a belief amongst some that Sasha Banks and Naomi returning to the company is on the table. Sasha and Naomi's issues were with Vince McMahon because they felt deceived or disrespected by him. But now that he's gone, they could return and save face because they are returning to a company where he is no longer in power. It's not 100% clear if people who are now in power will hold a grudge against Sasha and Naomi. But history shows that Triple H has been a very forgiving man. They don't want them to go to the enemy team. And he's been getting names like Bruno when Bruno was inducted into the Hall of Fame, Bruno San Martino, and I mentioned the Ultimate Warrior. I believe he had something to do with Sting as well, coming into the WWE. So he welcomed everybody into the WWE, and he facilitated those relationships. At the WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, and I mentioned this before too, Triple H posed for a photo with Scott Steiner after all of the years of Scott Steiner bashing Triple H and Stephanie in shoot interviews claiming that the Hall of Fame was a joke. That Triple H was a fucking piece of shit. And Stephanie McMahon was a piece of shit. Standing next to them, being inducted into the Hall of Fame, a Hall of Fame that he called fake. So if someone like Scott Steiner could be welcomed back by Triple H, you think Sasha Banks and Naomi will not be accepted back into the WWE? Come on now, man. The possibility of them being back in the WWE is greater than it has ever been. So Sasha may be sitting out, but when the time comes, you're going to hear that fucking music hit, and you're going to hear Snoop Dogg, 
and you're going to think back to what I just said here, and that Vince is gone. Well, J.D. was right. Sasha Banks and Naomi are both back in the WWE. Hopefully, WWE gets rid of the tag team titles because they are not needed. But there's a possibility that they will be back. Guys, let me look at the chat. We got 2,700 people. We got 2,700 people in the OTS venue tonight. I appreciate you guys very much, man. We got 1,100 likes. You guys blew away the minimum. Now you know what I'm going to tell you, man. We need 1,500 minimum on OTS. Tonight, sponsored by my great friends over at Manscaped. Manscaped.com. When it comes to feeling confident, guys, especially when you're out there trying to find the one, there are a lot of things that you guys can do to help you look, feel, and smell your best. You may hit the gym, you may try a fresh new hairstyle, or give your wardrobe a much-needed update. But what happens when you're ready to seal the deal? How confident are you? How confident are you going out there and meeting people? How confident are you in the bedroom? Yeah, I'm talking about your fucking junk. I'm talking about your little world champions down there, bro. It's 2022, which means if you're not already managing your body hair on the regular, you're missing the boat. A a big misconception about male grooming is that you guys have to completely go bare all over the place. Don't. Don't. However, I've got tools that can help you customize your grooming game and how it can improve not only your dating life, but also your self-confidence. Manscaped.com. And you guys are going to receive 20% off plus free shipping when you use my code Jerry, J-E-R-R-Y-D-E in all capital letters at manscaped.com. They sent me this care package, man. This is the Shed Travel Bag. Look at this shit. I love it. The Shed Travel Bag is my favorite in the entire bundle. You got the Manscaped t-shirt. They give you a Manscaped t-shirt. I got that. They sent me this care package. They got the Weed Whacker. Ear and nose hair trimmer. All those little spots, you got it taken care of. You got the Manscaped anti-chafing box of briefs in the package. Comfortable. You got the crop reviver. This is a ball toner. You want your balls feeling smooth? There you go. Then you got this bad boy. You got the crop preserver. It's a ball deodorant. You want your balls smelling good? There you go. And the fucking champion of the pack. The lawnmower 4.0, man. Look at that. Ceramic blade, waterproof, LED light. Look at that shit. And the presentation, look at this thing, man. Look at that presentation. Yeah. And it's USB. You guys can plug this in and do what you got to do, man. Manscaped.com code JerryDE is the code. 20% off, free shipping. And I want to thank Manscaped for sponsoring this podcast tonight. On episode 437 of the podcast, Manscaped is awesome, man. Always a great friend and a great sponsor of the show.
Now we are getting into something that has gotten a lot of people talking online, and that is Jonathan Gresham. I got my buddy Jake. Jake, I see you watching me, bro. I see you watching me, bro. Go fuck yourself with your comment, bro. You could clip it and put it in the fucking Destiny 2 raid shack. Get, get, clown. Gotta love my guys, man. Still, I'm the best grinder in the entire fucking clan. Jonathan Gresham. Jonathan Gresham has asked for his release from Ring of Honor and from AEW. A lot of people are talking about this. A lot of people are wondering what happened here. And I got the absolute latest on Jonathan Gresham and his release from AEW Ring of Honor. Last night, last night on Ring of Honor, Death Before Dishonor, great show, one of the best wrestling shows of the entire year. Last night, Ring of Honor, Claudio Castagnoli won the Ring of Honor World Championship against Jonathan Gresham in probably what was the worst match of the entire night. You wouldn't believe it. Claudio and Jonathan Gresham, two world-class professional wrestlers, two of the very best at their craft, having the worst match of the entire night. Not that it was a bad match, but it only went 11 minutes, and you can't really take that match into the next gear, take that match to the next level in only 11 minutes. Not going to happen, no matter how good you are. So Gresham lost the world championship. Claudio won the championship. He is now the face of Ring of Honor. The controversy... The controversy came when Gresham made his entrance without his usual entrance mask. He's got that octopus mask and his jacket. He appeared to be in a bad mood. Gresham lost the title. After he went on Twitter, he deleted his Twitter. So after the match was over, he went on Twitter. He deleted or deactivated his Twitter in defeat to Claudio. The story continues from there. Fightful Select is reporting that Gresham has requested his release from AEW and Ring of Honor. Gresham requested his release ahead of the Ring of Honor Death Before Dishonor show. So it was before he actually went out there and dropped the title to Claudio. Citing that there was a lack of communication between Gresham and the company over the weekend, which he felt disrespected by, another tipping point was the lack of time that the Ring of Honor world title match was given. Well, you asked for your release. Tony Khan gave you 11 minutes. You're lucky you even got 11 minutes. Tony Khan could have had you go out there, eat a fucking uppercut, eat a Cesaro swing, and eat a neutralizer or a Ricola bomb. One, two, three, and that's it. You're lucky you got 11 minutes. You went and talked to Tony Khan and had a communication with Tony Khan, and you cursed him out. Tony Khan could have easily buried you on on Saturday night. He didn't. He didn't. So he felt disrespected and felt the Ring of Honor world title match was not given ample amount of time. I'm sorry. What was your problem in the first place? He he, He felt disrespected by Tony Khan. Why do you feel disrespected? We'll get into that in a second. Fightful also notes that Gresham finally procured a meeting with Tony Khan before the show after a couple of tries where he communicated his frustration that led to him cursing Tony Khan out. Those close to Gresham claim 
as of this moment, he is done with wrestling for the foreseeable future after this month. And that he came out without his regular entrance gear for the show because he wanted to be himself and see everything clearly for what could possibly be his last match. It's not been confirmed if Gresham's release has been granted, but Feifel was told that he left the arena right after his match with Claudio. This is a very sensitive topic. And I don't know who watches me. I, I, I don't know who clips my show and whatnot. I, listen, man, I've been, I, I've built this show on honesty. I built this show on being myself. I've built this show on hot takes. And if you don't like it, go watch somebody else, man. Never in my life did I mention Jonathan Gresham can't wrestle. Jonathan, I know Jonathan Gresham enough, and I've seen enough Jonathan Gresham matches to know that he is one of the very best on the planet at what he does. Jonathan Gresham is an acquired taste. Jonathan Gresham is not Claudio. I said this on Saturday night, right at the top of my Ring of Honor post-show. This was the right decision. Claudio winning the championship was the right decision. Why was it the right decision? Because Tony Khan is trying to procure a Ring of Honor TV deal. That would not happen. That would not be as attractive to advertisers. That would not be as attractive to Warner Media Discovery with Jonathan Gresham as its world champion. This is why he gave the title to Claudio. He felt disrespected that the Ring of Honor World Championship match was given 11 minutes. But then I read that you cursed him out in frustration. You're lucky that Tony Khan gave you 11 fucking minutes. He could have given you one minute. So pardon my fucking language, but you, from what I read here, you sound like a fucking sore loser. You sound like a sore loser without seeing the bigger picture. You're not Claudio. Tony Khan could have taken the title off of you immediately. He didn't have to bring you back. He could have made Brian Danielson the world fucking champion. He could have made Samoa Joe the world champion. He could have made anybody the world champion. But he opted to keep the championship on you because he respects professional wrestling. The Ring of Honor World Championship is not being focused on. The Ring of Honor Championship is not being given the proper time on this pay-per-view. I'm sorry, you are lucky to even have a fucking brand right now. Jonathan Gresham seems to have a fucking superiority complex as far as I'm fucking concerned. He wants the Ring of Honor World Championship to be on television over the TNT title, the TBS title, the AW Tag Team titles, the World title, the All-Atlantic title. It is the Ring of Honor World Championship. It's not the AEW World Championship or an AEW Championship. You're asking for television time and more of a priority on a brand that you're not affiliated with. If Tony Khan has these shows running once a quarter without without a television deal, the fuck does he need you for? You're its world champion, so act like one. Clearly you didn't. Clearly it didn't. You wanted more, and there isn't more to give you. Made it all about himself after Claudio wins his first world championship. It's a shit thing to do, don't you think? Everybody's like, Jonathan Gresham's a great pro wrestler. Jonathan Gresham's a game changer. Jonathan Gresham is a great pro wrestler, and he's not a game changer. 
Jonathan Gresham is five foot three. People think I'm five foot three, but they don't know any better. They don't know any better. I'm not six foot tall, but I'm also not five foot three. Geeks. It's the running gag in the community. Oh, uh, JD two foot six. Go fuck yourself, man. Ridiculous. Jonathan Gresham is five foot three. Five foot three. Where do you expect him to go? And be successful as a professional wrestler being five foot three in the pro in the pro wrestling market that has the mentality of WWE right now. If you aren't six foot tall and 270 fucking pounds, you ain't going anywhere. WWE, now things may change without Vince being there. WWE has given everybody rulings on who to hire and who to bring in. You can't be over 30 years old. You can't be under fucking six foot two. You can't be under 230 pounds. You think Jonathan Gresham, if he leaves AEW and requests his w, his AEW release to go to WWE, you think that he's going to be successful in WWE? <laughs> oh, my God, man. Really? If Jonathan Gresham was in WWE, he'd be Akira Tozawa, part two. That's what he'd be doing. He'd be chasing Dana Brooke for the 24-7 title. He'd be no better off than R-Truth. Now, if Triple H still had black and gold, if Triple H still ran NXT, then I would say, yeah, you got a shot. Because they actually love professional wrestling down, or did. They did love professional wrestling down there. But if he goes to WWE, that's it. His career is finished. Over. I don't give a fuck what he thinks or what anybody thinks. Oh, he's great. He ain't going to be great there because they're not going to see how great he is the truth of the matter. Now, his ceiling was already hit in Ring of Honor. That's it. You gave that up. You want your release. You don't want to be a part of Ring of Honor anymore. You don't want to be a part of AEW for whatever fucking reason. Go. Where are you going to go? Impact? What do they got? Eight people watching that show? I watched Impact on Thursday night while drinking a cold beverage. I fucking heard crickets in the crowd. Go wrestle on Impact. You'll be worse off wrestling on Impact than you would on AEW. Nobody gives a fuck about Impact. Go to Japan. You'll be right back in the same boat that you're in now. In fact, the boat that you're in under Tony Khan is going to give Ring of Honor a bigger name than New Japan and Impact Wrestling. Go. If you don't want to be here, then we don't want you here. I'm sorry. Everybody's like, oh, he's a game changer. No, he's not. No, he's not. Now, I will say, he's crying about communication. He's crying that Ring of Honor and the world title match was only given 11 minutes or the Ring of Honor title hasn't been on TV. The build for the match hasn't been uh, given top priority. There was nothing about the match. The match was made in one week. The show was built in three weeks. You're lucky you got any fucking build for your match. He could have given you fucking Lee Moriarty at the goddamn show. He gave you Claudio. The fuck are you crying about? He could have saved that match on Rampage for this show. The show was built in three fucking weeks. Tickets went on sale three weeks ago. And he's complaining about, oh, I'm not getting top billing. Oh, I'm not getting priority. I'm sorry. 
What about everybody else on the fucking show that didn't complain? Did you see FTR and the Briscoes fucking complain? FTR didn't have the Briscoes on television to build their match. Samoa Joe's been off TV for five fucking weeks. The six-man tag team title was booked on Friday. Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb had nothing but tag team matches with them differing in opinion for two weeks. No, but Jonathan Gresham needs top billing for the Ring of Honor world title. As of right now, we're only getting four shows per quarter. One per quarter. This guy wants top billing. Well, Tony Khan runs AEW Dynamite and runs Rampage. Now he's got to be on both shows. He's got to be all over the place because he's Jonathan Gresham. Fuck out of here. Yeah, Tony Khan's going to give you priority over Dynamite, his main priority. You're the Ring of Honor world champion. Or were the Ring of Honor world champion. That was your role. That was it. You want to go eat with the big boys? Work at it. Communication. There was something I said before Supercard of Honor. Something I said before Supercard of Honor, and I said it very vehemently. Tony Khan is going to run into a situation where he's going to have Ring of Honor and AEW kind of butt heads, and he's going to run himself dry. He's going to run himself dry. He's going to spread himself thin, and things are going to start to feel less than. I'm already feeling it. This current week of, uh, of AEW television has been the worst week in my honest time watching the show. I was very displeased with Dynamite. I was very displeased with Rampage. And I thought everything about Dynamite up until that main event was okay. The Luchasaurus thing threw me for a fucking loop. Jungle Boy coming back and Lucha Store standing with Jungle Boy. I wasn't all about that. You wasted my time for three weeks. Then the, the barbed wire match. Come on, man. That shit was a fucking circus. The dancing around and the whole fucking botch at the end and the miscommunication. It looked like amateur hour out there. And the more that happens, let me tell you something, man. With the new regime potentially taking over in WWE, the fans might not fucking give a shit anymore. You can't be having that type of shit happen. Look like fucking amateur hour out there. And I love Eddie Kingston. And I love Chris Jericho. And I think Sammy Guevara is great. But that shit was fucking embarrassing. It was embarrassing. Tony Khan needs. I don't know if he listens to this show. I don't know if he'll ever get catch wind of this. This is my genuine and honest opinion because I support what you do a thousand percent. Tony Khan, not saying he can't run Ring of Honor. Tony Khan needs to step back. Tony Khan needs to give up some of his duties. I don't mean completely step away from the brand. But Dynamite, and Dynamite is suffering because there's so many fucking injuries out right now. As soon as those injuries are, are not an issue anymore, and those, those wrestlers, those, those men and women come back, it, it's going to be fine. I mean, he's lucky he survived this long with the major names that he's got out. I mean... Cole and Brian and Punk and Omega. I mean, that would that would cripple a fucking brand. That would put a brand out of business. He's lucky he survived with those names being out. Tony Khan needs to establish better communication 
with the roster. And from what I see, and from my time being at these scrums and, and seeing Tony Khan in person, how the roster interacts, I don't see him as a man that doesn't communicate. I do see him as a man that has his favorites. I do see him as a man that gives preferential treatment to those he really likes. What happens to everybody else, I don't know. Everybody else has got a different fucking story from what I see with how he interacts with Dax and Cash and Moxley and Punk and, and you know, his favorites backstage. Jungle Boy. You can't be, you can't be, and I, I hate using this, you can't be a mark. You can't be a mark for these wrestlers. You have to give everybody the same amount of treatment. Everybody. Because once someone catches a feeling that you're not giving them the same treatment as a top guy, and he may, this person may not deserve that type of treatment. But the lines of communication should be equal amongst everybody, no matter if you're CM Punk or fucking Marco Stunt. The lines of communication should be open. I don't want Tony Khan to spread himself then. He does not need to creatively book Ring of Honor. If Ring of Honor gets a TV deal, and they're live every week, one hour, two hour on TNT, TBS. Is Tony Khan going to be running Ring of Honor? Is he going to be running Dynamite every week? I don't think that's a recipe for success. That may be a recipe for disaster. I think Tony Khan needs to bring in people that are going to run creative for Ring of Honor. Whether it's get Maria Kanellis to run the women's division, get William Regal. William Regal has all the fucking knowledge you need. He ran the best brand in the industry under Triple H in NXT. And you have him over there doing what? Coming out with Wheeler Yuta, doing commentary two times a night because Blackpool Combat Club's all over these shows. Give William Regal the reins to run Ring of Honor. I don't see how that is a bad thing. You focus on Dynamite. There needs to be, and this was the report back when we heard all these things, all this negative shit about Omega and the women's division and Big Swole. There's no sense of order backstage. It's chaos. There needs to be departments. You need to have a creative team. You need to have creative generals. I don't know if that's the case here. You need to have somebody that runs the women's division. You need to have somebody that works with talent. Producers that work with, with, with specific talent. You need to have somebody challenge you on ideas and go out there and think about what needs to be put on these shows instead of just doing. Dynamite has not felt the same. Now, that could be with the injuries being a factor. But what we saw on this past week's Dynamite, I, I don't know if Tony Khan is, is doing too much because a lot of that show did not make any sense to me. And that main event was atrocious. There needs to be structure in Ring of Honor. There needs to be structure in AEW. So if Gresham has a problem with communication, then something needs to be done. If Gresham is your Ring of Honor world champion and Gresham has a problem with what's going on, Gresham should have been given the opportunity to air his grievances before Death Before Dishonor was even booked. What are you doing with me? What are you doing with the world championship? What's going on? But I see both sides to this story. Gresham's upset because there's a lack of communication. Tony Khan got cursed out. 
Tony Khan is in the right as well because the show was booked only three fucking weeks ago. The fuck does he want? The brand is a non-entity right now. You're either with him or you're not. You opted to go without him. And I will say, if Tony Khan didn't have aspirations of Jonathan Gresham being the Ring of Honor world champion, I don't know why you brought him back to begin with. But he was given a deal. So clearly they saw something in him. Clearly they wanted him. This is a mess. This is a mess. This is something that's going to get out of control. Now he's not wrestling. Now he doesn't want to wrestle anymore. He's being body shamed. He's being height shamed. His wife is not really making him look good on social media because she's out there doing what she's doing and saying what she's saying. And she's making things a hell of a lot worse. Nobody wants that for her. Why does anybody give a shit what I say? I'm just seeing what I see. I'm calling it as I see it. If you have a problem with what I say, tough shit. But Jonathan Gresham, if he's going to go somewhere else and expect to find success somewhere else, go. I appreciate you taking a shot on yourself, man. But let me tell you something. It's going to be a lot more difficult for you because of how tall you are and the style that you bring to the table. Jonathan Gresham is an acquired taste. And I've seen some people arguing with me online in my in my Twitter thread. Oh, but JD, if this was Johnny Gargano, you don't have any problem with Johnny Gargano, but all of a sudden you have a problem with John, Jonathan Gresham. Johnny Gargano doesn't wrestle like Jonathan Gresham. Johnny Gargano has charisma, where Jonathan Gresham does not. Johnny Gargano is not Jonathan Gresham. It's not the same fucking thing. Johnny Gargano commands your attention when he's in the ring. Jonathan Gresham is an acquired taste. Bring a pillow. He's like Zack Sabre Jr. I don't think that they're terrible pro wrestlers. They're fucking incredible pro wrestlers. But it's a style that does not cater to the casual audience. You've developed a niche for yourself. Johnny Gargano could wrestle any style. This is not the same thing as Johnny Gargano. Give me a fucking break with that comparison. I'll take Johnny Gargano 10 days out of 10 over Jonathan Gresham. Tully Blanchard. He's gone from AEW Ring of Honor. We got some news on why he was replaced by Prince Nana. Prince Nana is now leading the embassy. Fightful reports that Blanchard was not backstage at Ring of Honor. And there were mixed messages sent on whether he missed his flight or if there was confusion about his travel itinerary. Blanchard runs a prison ministry group, and that was the reason cited for why he was not at the show. Fightful adds that talent and staff were told that Blanchard has basically gone from the company. Blanchard's exit is surprising because he was just moved to Ring of Honor a few months ago after being pulled from his role as the manager of FTR on AEW. The door appears to be open for a return because Tony Khan did say during the media scrum that he hopes to see him in the future working with AEW or Ring of Honor once again. Tully, if he is gone, so be it. It's no real loss for AEW. It's no real loss for Ring of Honor. Prince Nana has ties to Ring of Honor. The focus that we need to really uh, focus on, and the spotlight, I should say, that we really need to focus on is the embassy. Brian Cage, Toa Leona, and Khan. That's what we need to do. That's what really matters here. They would have been fine with or without Tully. 
continue the spotlight on them, and get them to where they need to be. That's a powerful trio. Doesn't matter who's leading them on AEW or Ring of Honor. I just hope that Tully is in good health. Because a lot of people were worried, oh, he may be ill or he may uh, have a health scare and that's the reason why he was taken off the road. Whatever the case may be. I hope that he's healthy and happy in whatever he does. Brock Lesnar. Let's move on to SmackDown. Brock Lesnar walking out of SmackDown was described as overblown. Fightful Select reported one source described the situation as being overblown. It was also noted that things blew over and Lesnar eventually returned to the TD Garden. WWE Creative did rewrite the script for the show and the new script didn't feature Lesnar. WWE left the last segment open in a way where Lesnar could be included if he did return, which he did. PW Insider reported that Lesnar was originally scheduled to immediately leave the arena to return home after appearing in the opening segment. It is still unclear where Lesnar went after leaving the arena or how close he was to flying back home. On Wrestling Observer Live, Dave Meltzer noted that this wasn't a situation where Lesnar left the arena only to return right before his segment. WWE also didn't hide Lesnar from everyone backstage once he did return. Meltzer says, and I quote, I know he was back in the building by 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. As far as the timeline goes, it wasn't that he was hidden away. Well, they wanted to do this big return, like MJF thing where you're doing the work and you show up at the last second and nobody knows you're back. It wasn't this big guarded secret. I shouldn't say a guarded secret because it was probably supposed to be a secret. It wasn't as if he didn't come back. He didn't show up at 945 and go out there at 950. Let me put it that way, end quote. Lesnar will still be scheduled to wrestle Roman Reigns at SummerSlam for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. I've seen a lot of people shitting on Sap. I've seen a lot of people shitting on Alvarez and Meltzer. And I said something along the lines of, oh, where's uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi's apology for Brock Lesnar walking out? Is Brock Lesnar unprofessional for walking out? I do believe Brock Lesnar walked out. In fact, he did walk out. Sean Ross Sapp is not going to put something behind the fucking paywall and have it be wrong. Then nobody would subscribe to Fightful. They'd lose subscribers and Patreons on Fightful. How stupid can you be? Yes, he did walk out. It was always under the assumption that they were trying to work something out with Brock. Brock said right before SmackDown went on the air, he was upset that Vince McMahon retired. And he said something along the lines of, if Vince is gone, then I am gone. He did walk out. Everybody's like, oh, Brock Lesnar worked the dirt sheets. Sean Ross Sapp got worked by MJF and Brock Lesnar in the same summer. Ha, 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 ha. Nobody got worked, you fucking cretin. Brock Lesnar walked out. He was convinced to come back. He came back. The show was written without him. And then they left the opening segments, or they left the, the, the ending segment, rather, open for him to show up if he did. That's what happened. I'm sorry you guys can't grasp the fact that somebody leaves the building and then ends up coming back. Yes, we did jump the gun, but he left the building. Yes, he showed unprofessionalism. But he came back because he was convinced to come back. Somewhere I read, I believe it was from Don Tony. He's got sources that said 
Vince tried to call Brock Lesnar and say, if you walk out on SmackDown, you're walking out on me, no matter if I'm there or not. So Vince may have had a hand in bringing Brock Lesnar back. Paul Heyman may have had a hand in bringing Brock Lesnar back. But I'm going to say and I'm going to add on Brock Lesnar, if he walks out, I'm not, I'm not heartbroken. I don't really give a shit about Brock Lesnar being on TV or not, period. There's nothing more that Brock can do that's going to get me excited. He's been there, done that with literally everybody. He will be at SummerSlam. There will be no Goldberg. And we are getting Reigns and Lesnar again in an undisputed heavyweight championship match. Last man standing. And I do believe Roman Reigns is walking out. Still, you are WWE undisputed champion. Goldberg. Quick note on Goldberg. Turns out that Goldberg is still under contract with WWE. He spoke to the New York Post and said this, and I quote, I'm still waiting for that one phone call to happen one of these days, but I suppose you never retire in the wrestling world until you're dead, so who knows? Goldberg revealed he suffered a shoulder injury before his match against Roman Reigns at the Elimination Chamber earlier this year. In a different interview, Goldberg noted that he had COVID-19 when he was called about the match. He says he hasn't undergone surgery to fix it because he never knows when WWE will call him. He admitted his shoulder has been absolutely destroyed over the past four or five years and was able to hide it well from everybody. Instead of getting surgery, he has spent time rehabbing his shoulder. He says, and I quote, I work my ass off day after day after day to get to a point where I feel almost normal again. I just kind of needed that break. I needed the mental focus of understanding that surgery wasn't an option at the time and I needed to put my ass to the grindstone, end quote. No more Goldberg on TV. Hopefully under this new regime, they don't do something like this because that is absolutely a Vince McMahon special. Oh, Lesnar can't do it. Oh, Reigns needs an opponent. Let's call Bill Goldberg because we have this fucking stadium to fill seats with. Come on. Give me a break. Nobody wants to see Bill Goldberg come back fucking three times a year and get a championship match after he's only brought in to lose to everybody. Keep him away from television. It's a bad look for the company, especially under a new regime. New regime taking over. Vince is gone and you're still going out there and calling Goldberg? Not a good look. You want to bring people back with Vince retiring, not keep people away. Speaking of the SummerSlam card, WWE management not happy with the SummerSlam card. WrestleVault reported earlier in the week that people, this was when Vince was still there before he retired, the people who put this year's SummerSlam lineup together don't like the SummerSlam card. We're getting the same card. Nothing's really changed. Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. Bobby Lashley versus Austin Theory. Usos versus the Street Profits. Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey. Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins. Pat McAfee versus Happy Corbin. We may see matches added on Monday. Edge is coming back, I believe. We may get Edge and Rey Mysterio versus Finn Balor and Damian Priest added to the show. We don't know what may be added. They were talking about if Lesnar walked out, let's call Goldberg to fill in for, for Brock Lesnar and go up against Roman Reigns. That was the best idea you had? That was the best idea you had. AJ Styles is out there, but you want to call Bill Goldberg. Seth Rollins and Matt Riddle are out there. You want to call fucking Bill Goldberg. Kevin Owens is out there. You want to call Bill fucking Goldberg. Fuck Bill Goldberg. Jesus fucking Christ. 
The money you were going to give Bill Goldberg, call Bray Wyatt and have Bray Wyatt come in and beat Roman Reigns for the fucking title. SummerSlam is summer scam. This show sucks. 30,000, 35,000, whatever the fuck they're filling in Nissan Stadium. This does not feel like a SummerSlam to me. It's rematch after rematch after rematch. All these matches are rematches. Except for Corbin and McAfee. It's basically WrestleMania Night 3, unofficially. WWE removed Max Dupree from the Maximum Male Models. Apparently, he rubbed people the wrong way, and Max Dupree was not fully on board with the ideas for the Maximum Male Model storyline. Vince McMahon told him he did not want Max Dupree to sound like L.A. Knight. Max Dupree's future in WWE seems unclear after he was pulled from Friday Night SmackDown, but more details are now available on why some people in WWE have soured on the former LA Knight. It was noted by Wade Keller and PW Torch that Max Dupree was said to have rubbed some people the wrong way, and he was replaced by Maxine Dupree, who is NXT's Sophia Cromwell, another blonde. So, Max Dupree rubbed people the wrong way. L.A. Knight rubbed people the wrong way. Sean Ricker rubbed people the wrong way because of the maximum male models. Can you fucking blame him? You gave him the gimmick of Max Dupree. Had him deviate away from everything he did that was great to this new character. You tell him to drop everything that you did as L.A. Knight, the mannerisms and the fucking quotes and how you speak. I want you to do this, 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 and this. And this is going to be great, pal. And we're going to give you Mansoor and Mace. And we're going to rename them Marseille and Mansoor. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure he rubbed people the wrong way. The only thing Vince was rubbing was the inner thigh of somebody that he he had to shut up with $3 million. No, but Sean Ricker rubbed people the wrong fucking way, right? Can you blame him? You take him from NXT as an accomplished pro wrestler, looking the best shape in his fucking life, to put him in a fucking suit and tie every week with big red Urkel glasses and have him read cute cards for Mansoor and Mace and give him a manager role. No, but he rubbed people the wrong way. Rubbing people the wrong way means, this is exactly what it means. Vince and Bruce told him what to do. He told them it sucks and gave them an attitude because it sucks. And then they claimed that he rubbed people the wrong way or he was difficult to work with. That's exactly what it means. PW Torch reports that Max had rubbed people the wrong way and wasn't fitting in. Sure. Sure. That's just nothing more than he spoke up about how terrible it was, and then they claimed, ah, he's rubbing people the wrong way, and he's difficult to work with. The decision was made by Vince McMahon a couple of weeks ago to remove him from the group and write him off television. Max knew he was making his final appearance when he announced his sister would appear on SmackDown. And you could tell, if you go back and watch that episode of SmackDown, He's stumbling over words. He just, it just felt like he didn't want to be there. It's unclear what WWE has planned for the maximum male models. 
It's unclear what WWE has planned for Max Dupree, whether or not he stays on the main roster or goes back to NXT. Fightful Select reports that Dupree was unbooked at the last minute while Marseille and Mansoir were on board with the Maximum Male Models. Dupree had some reservations about things, and a couple of scripts were changed. The Maximum Male Model storyline was something that Vince McMahon was fully behind. Of course he was. Was fully behind, and it was his idea, and he had worked with Dupree on what to say and how he should sound during his promos. Additionally, McMahon did not want him to sound like L.A. Knight on NXT. Dupree reportedly has some supporters in WWE, and with Vince gone, it's possible that he may get another opportunity to show what he can do on the main roster. It's worth noting that he's a Triple H hire, so this may end up working in his favor. The Maximum Male Models will announce the 2022 Beachwear Collection next week with Maxine Dupree, who again is played by NXT's Sophia Cromwell, she signed with WWE in 2021 after attending the tryouts in Las Vegas last year during SummerSlam weekend. Um, you know what I find funny? This is all. This is laughable. This is all laughable. I'm glad he walked out. Good. I'm glad he spoke up. Good. This shit sucks. This shit is going to die. A thousand deaths. What I find funny is Bruce Prichard exactly knows what Sean Ricker is capable of. Sean Ricker is Max Dupree, L.A. Knight. That's his real name. Bruce Prichard knows exactly what he's capable of. Bruce Prichard has worked with him. Bruce Prichard was part of Impact during his time there. Eli Drake was there. So imagine being Bruce Prichard, knowing what you're getting with Sean Ricker, right? Knowing that he was on... NXT, and he was doing some great fucking... Well, I wasn't a big fan of Eli Drake coming in. L.A. Knight sold me on Sean Ricker. L.A. Knight was a great fucking character. Cool name. Great in-ring presence. Great promo. He could be a babyface. He could be a heel. Put him in the fucking upper mid-card. Have him go for a U.S. title. Have him go for an Intercontinental title. You want to put him in a world title situation. He'll do it all. He'll do it all. Imagine being Bruce Prichard, knowing what you're getting with Sean Ricker, and thinking... That maximum male models is the best fucking use of Sean Record. Imagine that. He didn't even speak up. It was Vince McMahon's idea. You'd think Bruce Pritchard would say, Vince, I don't think that's the right way to go about it. This guy can actually wrestle. We could use him on a depleted SmackDown roster. Now, let's make him a manager. Let's make him a manager and a mouthpiece. Fuck pro wrestling. This company sucks. This gimmick sucks. I gave this shit two months. I said that this, this shit was going to last two months and they were going to abandon it and blame him for not getting it over. Instead, we got a little twist to the story. He knew it sucked. He didn't want nothing to be, uh, he didn't want nothing to do with it. He didn't want to be a part of it and they got rid of him. Good. It lasted three weeks. It was the best part about the whole fucking gimmick. Now I'm supposed to care because Sophia Cromwell, Maxine Dupree is there. Give me a fucking break. Sean Ricker, L.A. Knight, Max Dupree, whatever the fuck you want to call him, was better off getting those guys over than anybody. Now he's not there, so why should I care? Now this gimmick could die a thousand deaths just like Vince McMahon. Get it off TV. Mansoor got into the, into the best shape of his life, and this is what they got doing. Beachwear collection. 
Fucking shit. Backstage news on Liv Morgan. Reason for Liv Morgan's recent push in WWE. This was talked about in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Dave Meltzer reported that part of the reason, if not the key reason for the recent push of Morgan, was the walking out of Sasha Banks and Naomi. Meltzer noted when they left, WWE needed a top-tier babyface for the SmackDown women's division. Because Ronda Rousey ain't it. And Morgan was the one who got the pick of the draw, which was something that was worked out because fans are strongly behind Liv Morgan. (laughs) Yeah, Ronda is not a babyface. Naomi made several hints that she will no longer be signing with WWE. Sasha Banks has been off doing her own thing. Lawyers have been working on her release. This all could change now, like I previously mentioned earlier in the show. She's not taking pro wrestling bookings for the rest of the year. Morgan is the SmackDown Women's Champion, and she will defend against Ronda at SummerSlam. (laughs) SummerSlam. I'm sorry. I, I don't find any. Uh, listen, man, I love Liv Morgan. I think Liv Morgan's great. Liv Morgan, sweet little girl, man. She, she, she worked her ass off. She's very good. She's a lot better than where she was. But if you think Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair are going to let Liv Morgan run around on SmackDown holding the championship for all of, uh, oh, what, three, four, five, six months? Come on, man. This title's getting taken off of her in September. I doubt she lasts past Labor Day as the SmackDown Women's Champion. Sami Zayn, if you guys notice Sami Zayn on SmackDown coming out with a uh, sling on his arm, Theory made reference to this. There was actually some uncertainty surrounding Sami Zayn's injury, with some believing it was real, some believing that it may be part of the storyline. Meltzer talked about Sami Zayn, and Meltzer says that Zayn is expected to be out of action for several weeks. Zayn had a, a, his arm in a sling on SmackDown, 715. The injury is legit, but it's not major, and they are hopeful of him being able to wrestle in a few weeks. SmackDown, man, I'm telling you, that roster is looking depleted. Now you know and see why they're bringing over more and more Monday Night Raw superstars because that roster is just fucking, it's so depleted. They've done nothing to fix it. They're still operating under separate brands, but you never know that. It's almost as if the brand split doesn't even exist anymore. There's a free reign. SmackDown to Raw, Raw to SmackDown. Not that I mind, but give me a fucking reason why guys are flip-flopping shows when I know we're still operating under a brand split. Can't wait for Survivor Series in November. Yeah, the one time a year where Raw and SmackDown go to war. Give me a fucking break. We've seen it all year. Why is it so special in November, but not special in August? Dynamite. Kenny Omega. We're about to see the return of the cleaner. Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer spoke more in detail about Omega and when he may actually be making his return. Meltzer said this, he's hoping to be at All Out, but it may be too soon. It may be too soon to say if he will be there or not. He's hoping for it, though. That's kind of the target date for Omega. The Chicago show, All Out, at the Now Arena in Schaumburg, I think is the target for Omega's return I think it's the target for Punk as well. But I don't know that either of them are sure on this. Also, it's the target for Danielson as well. Now, Danielson, if you watched the Ring of Honor pay-per-view last night, Death Before Dishonor, they announced that 
Wednesday will be Brian Danielson's return, and he will be wrestling Daniel Garcia. So that is tremendous. Him being back is a huge boost to AEW. If we get Punk and Omega and Cole back and MJF, things will go back to normal. Because I feel like AEW television has been a little off right now. Honestly. So that's that with Omega. I don't want to rush it back. I don't want to rush him back. If he's not ready to come back, let him take his time, man. 100% we need Omega back, but I don't want to rush him. Now, there is a reported storyline for Omega when he returns. The Young Bucks FTR3 was held off because of a major angle potentially being planned uh, or that's in the works for Omega upon his return. Fightful reported this week that the rumor going around is the angle involves Omega. The tentative plan that certain staff was made aware of was that Omega and the Bucks were slated for a six-man tag team program for All Out in September. It's unclear who they will be facing at the show. Now, it makes sense if it is Undisputed Era or Adam Cole and boys, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. Cole is out. Nobody knows when he's coming back. I don't even think he'll be ready for All Out. Kyle O'Reilly is out. He may be ready for All Out. But I don't know. I don't know. That makes the most sense with who's on the AW roster right now. I pitched, what about the United Empire? I don't know whether this, I really don't know whether this Will Ospreay and Kenny Omega thing is a complete work. It sounds like a work to me, but people are telling me it's a shoot. Apparently, Kenny Omega sent Will Ospreay a cease and desist this weekend. I don't know if that's true or not. What about the elite or the undisputed elite led by Omega and the Bucks against the United Empire? Will Ospreay, Jeff Cobb, and Great O'Conn. Or Great O'Conn and TJP. Or Jeff Cobb and TJP. I don't know. So apparently there's a storyline in place for Kenny Omega, who will be against, I don't know. We don't even know if Omega's going to be right for all that. This may all be a waste of time. Matt Jackson. Meltzer updated everybody on Matt Jackson's apparent stinger coming out of the tag team match two weeks ago where they dropped the titles to swerve in our glory. Meltzer wrote, he has no loss of strength. His mobility and range of motion is already back to normal. He passed a strength test right after the injury, so major concerns about the injury were alleviated quickly. Meltzer added it may be a few weeks before he's back in the ring. Good. I'm glad it's not serious. Road Dog. Good old D-O-double-G-O, you didn't know. He was in the news this week. Road Dog says AEW gave Wardlow the jabroni title. And AEW looks like an indie show filmed with nice cameras. This guy is a piece of work, man. This Road Dog is a piece of fucking work, bro. Road Dog was interviewed by Sports Kita. Who listens to Sports Kita? I don't know. Road Dog was asked what advice he would give AEW. He says, and I quote, I would talk to them about television wrestling and what we're doing here. When you watch it, it looks like an indie show that somebody filmed with some nice cameras. People will win their match, get their hand raised, and just turn around and start walking away. It's like, oh, that's a great shot. Thank you, dude, who just won the match. And now give me your ass crack and your back. You have to think about it like it's a television show because it is. Now, I get what he's saying. I really do. And AEW, yes, can work on that. They really can. 
I also feel like AEW, Tony Khan needs to pace his fucking shows. He needs to pace his shows a lot better. We go from match to quick segment into match. Match, commercial, commercial break, into the match, right into the next match. Then backstage interview with Tony Schiavone. Then we get a fucking promo, a a vignette. Then we got Tony Schiavone in the ring. And then we go to a match. Nothing breathes. Matches don't breathe. When a match ends, it doesn't breathe. When the fucking match is over, right at the last ding, 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 we're going into the next segment. They need to slow the fucking show down. Yes, I get what Road Dogg is talking about. Some people can work on that. But you got to understand, a lot of these people don't have the resources that WWE provides everybody. You learn all this shit in the Performance Center. AEW doesn't have that. So you got to give them some time to really get that shit down. So I do agree with them on that. But looking like an indie show, I mean, this is the same guy that booked NXT, where they had the fucking lights 80% off. All you saw was the fucking spotlight in the ring, and the rest of the people were all blacked out. So this guy's claiming AEW looks like an indie show, but he basically was running an indie show down in NXT. Sounds like Road Dog was declined a job offer. Now he's out there talking shit because he can't work for AEW. Sounds about right. Talks about Wardlow being booked against Orange Cassidy on Dynamite. I didn't like it. I agree with him here. I wasn't a fan. It took him 18 minutes. First, they give him the Jabroni title. This is the same company that he worked for. WWE is the same company that he worked for. He's got the fucking balls to say that the TNT title is the, 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 the Jabroni title, yet he's a part of a fucking brand in WWE that's got Dana Brooke and fucking Tamina and Cedric Alexander chasing the fucking 24-7 title. He's got the fucking goal and the balls to call the Jabroni title the TNT title? You fucking kidding me? Then what exactly is the 24-7 title, dog? I'd love for you to fucking be asked that question. Gave him the Jabroni title. It doesn't mean nothing when he was a guy that seemed like he was the guy and maybe he is the future. I just don't think you needed to give him that other than the best title. And then it took him 18 minutes to beat the jokey guy. Sounds like Road Dog was asking for a job and Tony Khan gave him the big old fuck you. That's what it sounds like to me. Moving on. Monday Night Raw. Madison Square Garden on Monday. Sold out show. (laughs) WWE sold out Madison Square Garden, man. (laughs) Round of applause. Congratulations, Bruce. Sold out Madison Square Garden. PW Insider noted as of this week, the show is officially sold out, with the only tickets being available right now being resales by verified sellers on Ticketmaster.com. Great. Great. Hopefully it's a good show, which I'm doubting that it will be. Finally, guys, Edge. Edge may be returning on Monday Night Raw during uh, this weekend's Wrestling Observer Live. 
Brian Alvarez read a question from a fan asking if Edge's return to Monday Night Raw will be on Monday, and it will end up being a swerve with Edge rejoining the Judgment Day stable. Now, why would he do that? Alvarez shot that down and said, Rated R merchandise has already been made for Edge's return. I think they've already got Rated R merch, so I'm pretty sure that he's returning as the Rated R superstar. Now, what that means is a babyface or a heel, I don't know. I don't think he's coming back to Judgment Day, especially because he left Judgment Day. He left because he didn't want to be involved in anything spooky. But then again, they haven't done anything spooky with Judgment Day since. Edge needs to be back as the Rated R Superstar, and Edge needs to be back as a babyface. Thank you guys very, 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 very much, man. What a fucking show tonight here on OTS. You guys are awesome. We're going to read the Super Chats in just a second, man. Upwards towards 2,700 people tonight live in the OTS Beer Garden. Fire pits are going. I got my VIPs with me. Thank you guys very much, man. Follow me on social media at JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Cameo. Everything you need is linked down in the description below. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Hit that thumbs up, man. I need... 58 more for 1,500 minimum. You guys are great, man. We may, may we may hit that 1,500. And if you guys want in on the chat, man, VIP only on Sundays. You're going to want to be a part of the VIP section. Hit that join button and become a VIP right here on OTS. We got so many new members tonight, man. You guys are great. JC720. $10 Super Chat. Thank you for following. Or thank you. Been following since 2015. Keep doing your thing, brother. Truth is hard for some to hear. OTS fan. Thank you, JC. I appreciate you, bro. Ray Cooper with the $10 Super Chat. He leaves no message. Thank you, Ray Cooper. Kyle Owens with the $10 Super Chat. Finally joined the VIP section today. Love everything you do, JD. Question, what would your finisher be if you were a wrestler? By the way, I'll take an old-fashioned. Cheers, brother. You're a man of fine taste, Kyle. If I was a pro wrestler, my finish, I don't really care for him, but I think Baron Corbin is the best finish in all of pro wrestling. I think the end of days is a fantastic finish. So probably the end of days. Once again, I got to shout out my members tonight, man. You guys are incredible. So far, we got Ben's Xbox Fortress, Kevin Carter, Ignacio, JC720, Trevor P, Max Change, Max Chains, Huda Ops, Nobody Greater Podcast, Casket Mob, Kyle Owens, RJ Kluting, The One Called Sash, AEW Mark 2018, Dude 44 and Ray Cooper. That was earlier. That was earlier. We've had more since then. We've had a lot more since then. 
Tony Brown with a 199. There's no booty meat on this show tonight, brother. OTS for life, he says. Thank you, Tony Brown. Jean-Pierre Mercedes with a $1 super chat. Thank you, Jean-Pierre Mercedes with the $1 super chat. Jean-Pierre also becomes a new member. Thank you, brother. Kenzie Retro becomes a new member. Costa the Cray Cray Gree becomes a new member. Ajax 25 becomes a new member. Metalhead for Life becomes a new member. Nine months, actually, Metalhead for Life. Thank you, brother. What are you drinking tonight, fellas and ladies? The best in the world with a four-month re-up. Thank you for the commitment to the VIP club. I really hope Raw goes two hours within the first year. JD, thanks for all your hard work and dedication to this channel. The Beer Garden is fire. Thank you, best in the world. I appreciate you, brother. Don Shula with a 499 Super Chat. Met you at the WrestleMania 35 meetup. Happy for you on all the growth of the channel. OTS for life. Thank you, Don Shula. Hopefully more meetups to come, man. We may be doing something for All Out in Chicago. We may, we may be doing something for uh, AEW Dynamite Grand Slam. Nate, the head of Talents TV, becomes a new member. Nate, thank you so much, brother. Metalhead for Life with a 499 Super Chat. Thank you, man. JLD with a $20 Super Chat. Tony Khan is taking on too much running AEW Ring of Honor. TK should put William Regal in charge of Ring of Honor. OTS for Life. JLD, you and I are on the same wavelength, bro. I mentioned that today in the show. Tony Khan, I feel like, is spreading himself thin. There needs to be a head of talent relations. He cannot do it all. He's head of talent relations. He's head booker. He's boss. Of both of both brands. You can't do it. You can't do it all. My boy James with a $10 super chat. I'm drinking Schmirnoff with cream mixed with pineapple juice and one shot of Captain Morgan's coconut rum. I don't have a name for it, but God damn, it's good. I'd have to get back to you on that one, brother. Uh, I don't have uh, a name for it either, but it sounds delicious. Crossfan27. 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, would you be interested in seeing John Moxley versus Killer Cross in AEW in the near future? Absolutely. I think John Moxley's fantastic and Killer Cross is awesome. T85 Restored becomes a new member. Thank you, T85. What are you drinking, brother? We got Ben's Xbox Fortress with a five in UK super chat. Fire Dunn and Pritchard. Claudio deserves it all. Let's hope change is coming. Absolutely, man. Twisted Bliss. Killer Swag 216. Dreco times two. Kewan Williams. And Noodles to Goat become new members. 
Thank you, gentlemen. The fuck is your beverage of choice this evening? Tony Khan's empty white claw. Triple H will put AEW out of business by 2026. Adam Cole, Swerve, Keith Lee, Malachi, and Andrade are all locks to go back home. WWE will be back on top. Bro, that's quite the uh, prediction there, brother. That is quite the prediction. I don't want AEW to go out of business, man. With AEW around, business is booming. But like I said, Stephanie, Paul Heyman, and Triple H, man, that trifecta, that's a dangerous trio. Elliot Little, the Kings, or the Three Kings, and Gary, the new man, with an eight-month membership. Elliot and the Three Kings, what are you guys drinking tonight? Noodles, what are you drinking? Gary, the new man, with an eight-month recommitment. Grisham, Grisham surprised me. Should have known something was up when he didn't come to the ring in his usual ROH gear. Bro, I said all I needed to say on Jonathan Gresham. That's it. PW Elite Fan 99 becomes a new member. What are you drinking, brother? Joshua Bennett with a $10 super chat. Finished watching Death Before the Sun a little bit ago. Which I guess officially was my first real show back since my hiatus. And I've got to say, awesome show. I'm glad to be back. Cheers. It's an excellent show, Joshua. Excellent show. Frankie Franchise with a $20 super chat. You're the man. That is all. Frankie Franchise. Thank you, brother. Emerald Lord becomes a five-month VIP. He leaves me a heart emoji with OTS for life. Thank you, Emerald. I appreciate you, man. Ali with a $4.99 super chat. Hey, JD, I I just want to say, if I could get a prayer from you and the OTS family because I found my brother tested positive for COVID and I'm crying. Ali, thoughts and prayers with your brother, bro. All my VIPs in the venue tonight, man. Let me see those prayer emojis for Ali and his brother and a speedy COVID recovery. Nikki Ice with a 499 Super Chat. It appears that the only thing that can stop your momentum is a bug. Please use this money to invest in a fly swatter. Hashtag OTS for life. Bro, it was one of them fireflies, man. It was one of them uh, lightning bugs, I call them. Landed right on my liquid death, bro. I had nothing but a fucking envelope with some papers in it. Get out of here. Thank you, Nikki Ice. Dio Loki with a new membership. Dio, what are you drinking tonight, brother? May I recommend Tony's Thunder and Lightning. L. Hicks with a $1 super chat. Thank you, L. Hicks. Vincent O'Connell with a $5 super chat. JD doesn't make predictions. He makes spoilers. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Vincent. Gavin Deeth with a new membership. Gavin, thank you so much, brother. Sinister Classic with a $10 super chat. JD can't stay long, but... What a hell of a tag team main event. Match of the year took me back to TakeOver where FTR versus DIY versus AOP. Thank you for enduring WWE for the last decade for us. Cheers, my guy. 
Sinister. Thank you so much, brother. FTR is absolutely, bar none, the greatest tag team of this current generation. Are they the greatest tag team of all time, man? I don't know. We'll see when their reign is over. Jimmy Fingers. Jimmy Fingers 19 with the 1019 Super Chat. JD, can you see the scripted promos getting minimized going forward? Yes. Give it time, brother. Especially Charlotte. I just want to believe in what the talent is saying would be a good start for the change I am looking for. Yes, I do see that happening. Especially Paul Heyman takes over. What I'd also like to see change is the way the show flows, man. WWE does it every single week. Somebody comes out in the ring to cut a promo. Somebody interrupts them. Their theme music goes off. Another person's theme music goes off. They interrupt and fucking it happens over and over and over again. Rinse and repeat. We get a tag team match or a six-man tag team match or a fucking fatal four-way, fatal five-way, six-way. It's fucking ridiculous. It's so fucking lame. Kenley Pierre with a 199 Super Chat. JD, this Walt guy thinks you're a trash comment. I, bro, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I don't care what these irrelevant fucking slobs have to say. Jimmy Fingers, 19 with another 1019 Super Chat. JD, what do you think TK would have to do to prevent former disgruntled WWE talent from wanting to return? Do you think this will now put pressure on TK himself to do better and maybe delegate work? I hope so. What we need to do, Jimmy Fingers, is Rampage needs to be given a normal time slot live in primetime on a normal night. Whether it's a Tuesday, whether it's a Thursday, whether it's a Saturday, whatever. Whatever. If NXT 2.0 is not changing, put it on Tuesday. Have it be the lead-in to the flagship show. Or put it on Thursday. Nobody watches Impact. I get more viewers than Impact. The Visionary becomes a new member. Thank you, brother. We got Jimmy Fingers with a 519 Super Chat. Where does Gresham expect to go from here? NWA Power Impact. Talented in the ring, but I can't see WWE looking to bring him in. No. WWE's now bringing in Jonathan Gresham. If Triple H was running black and gold still at at its peak, maybe. And then that would be a ceiling. Hulagrim's got a bunch of super chats here. He went super chat crazy, did Hulagrim. Thank you, brother. Uh, Five, 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 five. Jonathan Gresham just mad because at family gatherings, he still eats at the kitty table. Jonathan Gresham should be happy that he can still eat for free at IHOP after 4 p.m. Fun fact, Jonathan Gresham was an original member of the Lollipop Guild. Jonathan Gresham uses a car seat to see above his steering wheel. Pass it on. 58 Jonathan Greshams can fit into a Volkswagen Beetle. Warning, the following contains graphic visual images. Jordan Disgrace's penis is taller than Jonathan Gresham. I'm done, I'm done. Sorry, guys. 
Yeah, I, I, I could do without that last one, Hologram. That was, uh, that was a little crude. That was like Andrew Dice Clay crude, bro. We love Jordan and Grace over here. I may have to bench you for that last comment, Hologram. I'm sorry. Sinister Classic with a $5 super chat. JD, here's an idea as I put on my tinfoil hat. What if The Rock sent Nick Khan into WWE to push Vince out so we could buy the company? Just a thought. I got one. I got one right back at you guys. Why don't you think John Cena and The Rock? Actually, why don't you think we've gotten John Cena at SummerSlam? Why don't you think we've gotten The Rock and Roman Reigns yet? Is it possible that they knew exactly what Vince McMahon was doing? And they don't want to be around that negativity and that allegation scandal? You think John Cena wants that brought upon him when he's having a thriving movie career? These guys would do anything to protect their good guy image, man. That may be the reason why John Cena is not on SummerSlam. D-Man G with an I-99 Super Chat. What's up, JD? Do you think that TK will need to watch his back if Stephanie and Shane comes back and creates a captivating storyline about them fighting over control of WWE? By the way, fuck Bill Goldberg. Uh, Demon G, that's not going to happen, bro. I don't think that's going to happen. Hollywood guy with a ten dollars super chat. JD, do you think that Vince retired only as CEO and might come back as something else? He's a major stockholder. Sorry for being that guy, but this is Vince, you know. Hollywood guy, I talked about it, man. He's still majority shareholder. He's still majority shareholder, man. So put your tinfoil cap on, man. He may still be running the show, and we don't even fucking know it. Linda Carter with a five dollars super chat. That Becky situation is interesting. Kind of makes me think about what they truly think of Sonya and why she's never really been pushed to the top. Bro, Kevin Dunn has no more influence anymore. And Sonya should definitely be pushed on TV. Kazama Fury with a 199 super chat. Big Swole might have been right about communication. She may have been. She may have been. Indigo with a 25-month VIP. Hey, JD, much respect. I'm proud to be one of your day one supporters. Thank you for everything you do for us. Awesome live stream, OTS for life. And Indigo now has a golden OTS VIP microphone, man. And it is glorious. Linda Carter with a $5 super chat. Sony's probably the only woman who hasn't had a legit feud with the four horsewomen. No real title shot. Not even the worthless women's tag team titles. Michelle Moran with a $2 super chat. Adam Page seems to be in limbo with Cole out. I think Adam Page, Michelle, joins the Young Bucks eventually. 
MGM Bolin with a 499 Super Chat. Start my accounting career tomorrow. Wish me luck, OTS family. MGM, you go and fucking kill it, man. Good luck, bro. Zero Kaiba with a 199 Super Chat. JD, does Dominic turn on Ray tomorrow? Zero, we could see it, yes, but it's not going to make a little bit of difference, man. If you, think, if you think joining Judgment Day is a career move. Come on. Lena Scorpio 20 becomes a new member. Lena, what are you drinking tonight? Thank you. Tyrone Johnson with a 499 Super Chat. Hey, JD, what's your favorite WWE moment you've experienced live? Mine is when I was 15 at TLC and Kalisto hit the Salida del Sol through a ladder. And Tyrone, I can't really, I can't really answer that question because I don't attend WWE Live. Probably when I got invited to Pittsburgh to sit next to Brian Goolish at Extreme Rules a few years ago and Road Dog. And Road Dog seen me sitting front row. Jabril Mohammed with a 499 Super Chat. Serena Deeb had a great match last night. Like always, love her. Easily the best female wrestler of 2022. Deeb is great, man. Deeb is the female Bret Hart. And you can't get any better than that. Hologram with a $10 Super Chat. I apologize for the last one. I'm just talking shit. I may or may not be a tad under the influence. Don't mind the new OTS flowers I planted. There for the chat. OTS for life. Fuck those other guys. Thank you, Hologram. Thank you, brother. Enjoy your evening, man. Bro, if I was under the influence, I would never get any work done on this show. Matthew Malnar and Killing Me Smalls become members. Killing Me Smalls is a seven-month member. Best in the IWC, baby. And Matthew, what are you drinking tonight, brother? Danny Baker with a $20 super chat. What's up, JD? Another good podcast. About to rewatch FT on the Briscoes match from last night. Again, cheers. You go enjoy that, man. 45 minutes of absolute classic. Telly Wose say. 499 super chat. I've been playing Oh Happy Day since Friday. But I'm curious until all the cancer in WWE is fully gone. Keep up the good work, JD. Thank you, brother. DC with a Canadian $10 Super Chat. Off topic, but, but what do you think of the Batman? I thought it was too long and slow in parts, but damn, that Batmobile scene was intense. Overall, still not on the Dark Knight level. I thought it was a fantastic movie, and I'm very much looking forward to the next one. But it was not Dark Knight. Dark Knight is still one of the greatest movies of all time. And the best Batman movie ever. There will never be another Batman movie on the level of Dark Knight. KJ with a $5 Super Chat. Showing love. Your show always makes my nights on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And now you can add Sundays, brother. KJ, thank you, man. Dan from the 1990s with a $5 Super Chat. I know it might be a possibility, but I really hope that Vince isn't just waiting for this to blow over so he can come back. Bro. 
I hope that's not the case either, man. I really hope that's not the case at all. But it's a possibility. It, it, it could certainly happen, man. It could certainly happen. And Linda Carter, my favorite JD quote. You guys are some fucking comedians, man. Everybody's a fucking comedian, Linda. All the people that think Impact is a viable brand. Fucking comedians, man. For the $5 Super Chat. Thank you, Linda Carter. And AEW Mark 2018 $2 Super Chat. Having a smoked hickory, smoked old-fashioned. Cheers. I don't do anything smoked, AEW Mark. I am against anything smoked. A smoked bourbon porter... A smoked old-fashioned, I don't do it. Just give me a regular and keep it simple. Guys, this show was absolutely tremendous. I think we had like 35, 36 new members. We got over 1,500 likes. And we're about to do this all over again on Monday, man. Have to do it all over again. You guys are great, man. I love each and every one of you. Guys, make sure you hit up Manscaped. Manscaped.com. Use that code Jerry. J-E-R-R-Y-D-E. For 20% off and free shipping. Follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Links are down below in the description. Matthew Malnar with a 499 Super Chat. Truly hope we see some serious change in WWE in the near future. No drinks for me tonight. Got to be back at work tomorrow after being laid off for three weeks. Responsible young man you are, Matthew. Love to see it. Also, guys, go make sure you check out all the other content on the channel. Hit that thumbs up. Hit that subscribe button down below and make sure that bell is turned on. I'll see you guys tomorrow night right back here in the beer garden for Monday Night Raw. A new era of Monday Night Raw at MSG without Vince McMahon. Nothing's going to change, but I'll be here. Let me see those guitar emojis in the chat. My VIPs, I know every one of you guys are a VIP, man. Let me see those Mustang emojis in the chat. I need that fucking music on max. I'll see you guys on Monday night live from the OTS venue right here on OTS. I'll see you guys later.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. 